welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm the motherflippin' American sweetheart, Eric Shea. And I'm Jim Warner. And this is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 462. 462. I'm not the purveyor of positivity anymore. I, I don't decided know if you ever today. Well, I, I was trying. I read these books and I'm like, nope, they're fighting against me. I tried. I Did tried you? desperately. <laughs> no, I tried. It's just they're not they're not playing along with me. DC doesn't seem to want to uh, allow me to be that. So I'm back to just plain old me, whether people like it or not. But thanks for uh, joining us, you weirdos here. And we have, you know, 462. That means everything will be a smooth sailing ship as we head into this week's books, which, I mean, basically, we could just call this the Joker Fest is what this podcast will be, at least in the first section. Yeah, and then we have a backup Joker and the Batman. So, you know. Still the deal, though. We end up having a lot of Joker in a time where a guy like a Rob Lewis said that we had already an oversaturation of the Joker. Oh, we I have don't know. It just, it just ends up where as I read each of those, you know, the big two Joker books here, I just it lessens both of them because it's just too much. But we'll get into that in a minute. Before we do go into any of that, please go over to our Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us, we'll follow you back. Go to our website, weirdsciencedccomics.com. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, that has not just the DC stuff, but Marvel and a little manga as well. All these will be in the show notes. And then after all of that, go to our Patreon to help us out for all we do and get tons of shows in return, patreon.com slash weirdscience. So here we are. I just had to shoo my dogs away because they were going to cause some problems. But I have another problem, Eric. I have shoo, the runs. Shoo. So if, if I end up where I run away quick, you see me like signaling you. And I'm running to the just toilet. Just the idea of signaling and running away quick. I'm like, you're not going to do it. If anything, you're going to try to run up them stairs. Forget about the broken step and you're going to fall. No, I always forget about it coming down. On the way up, I'm pretty good. I leap that thing. But yeah, I, I'm having problems. I'm t- and if you leap that, you're going to crap yourself. Maybe. Maybe, but I'm an adult, and yeah, I, I haven't even eaten anything that. today, and it just keeps coming. Did you just drink keeps a lot of coffee, coming out. No, I actually just had my first coffee here. I haven't really done much of anything except read <laughs> Joker books, it seems. But uh, one of the things going on besides my, my bowel movements is that over on the Patreon, each Thursday night, we have our badass Patreon Spotlight podcast where... We talk about two books picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. So if you're looking and saying, where is that crazy good Dark Crisis Warzone number one? Where is that? Well, that's over at the Patreon. That was part of the spotlight that also You're included Sword, Canaries. Sword of Azrael number the five. I believe, yeah, I believe I'm going to be uh, doing maybe a video on the old Red Canary this weekend. So if anybody is interested in like that. Like you are the purveyor of positivity is. Yeah, no, the, me, not oh. the purveyor of positivity. It's oh. just going to be about the idea of one of the worst uh, origin stories and intros of a character ever. I mean. Everybody has read Teen Titans Academy already. They've seen some really bad origin stories. No, in the not like characters. this though. Those were like uh, okay. You a got lot nothing. of that. You got it was nothing. funny. <laughs> the uh, the deal with the origin stories over at the Teen Titans Academy were the idea. Well, we're just going to kind of have this as the cousin of somebody you or the Tubi, uncle. Do you? Or, yeah. Well, the thing is though, Tubi's origin didn't make an established character a piece of shit. That's that where Mark I think Price? this origin is the worst. Because not only is it really a bad origin, but it makes Black Canary herself a piece of shit for allowing 
that origin to even happen. Oh, hands that's on why, deck, That's Jim. my whole deal is where I kind of got that idea. But every Thursday night, we do have that Patreon-only spotlight. Two books, as I said, picked by the badasses to get fresh crew. Beep, boop, and I said it again because this is the badass roll call. Uh, here we go. This is to celebrate those badasses, Eric. We got Michael Jordan, Eric K, Double K. We'll hear more from him later in the mail. Jeffrey Greek, Stephen Bat, Dad Mitchell, The Annihilator, Ted Probst, I Love Punchline, Stork, Michael S, Forrest Pauly, Cam, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, Lady Abby and Lord Andy, Francisco L. Rock III, Niels T. Wart, David Fink, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, who is Sue 42 to me and you. Michael G, Ken Halleck, back again, boom. Comic Boom Rocky, boom again. And <laughs> I'm glad that you did this, sir. He wrecked Sean. Uh, this Sean guy, the thing is, I thought that you had stopped trying, but at least I know now you have been What kept is the name? Up. Uh, e Rex Sean. Oh. <laughs> e Rex Sean. Uh, Mike Mark Shaker, Aldrin Stosia, Nick Adams, Ruben, Carlos, Noah Marv, Matt uh, Rapier, Luke Hollywood, Simon Luis, Manship. Uh, he might still be dead. I don't know. Andrew and Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Pete from NYC. That's my man, Pete from NYC. Batman Beyond Mark, our man Rob Lewis, B Muir, Brandy Murray, Double A Ron. Doxingham in Minnesota and the all-time great Reginald Drinkwater. Yeah, I'm glad you're still trying, Eric. I thought that we we're going to continue on. I even looked before, so I was already ready for it. And I was going to make a bit of a joke, you know, kind of, but I figured I'm going to play it straight, Eric. And I mean straight. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Ah, uh, yes. Here we go. I got to get fired up here. I- I'm telling you, these the-, the Joker's never been one of my favorite characters. So when we end up having a lot of books on him. I kind of want something new, something different, and maybe, you know, I don't know, something good. But that's me. We'll see how that works out. Is that what you want with Dick Grayson? Forward. Well, with Dick Grayson, yeah, I kind of know that he's a great guy. I kind of know that Joker's kind Rick of a piece Grayson. of crap. Rick Grayson. Something well, new, something different. That that was bad, but we actually didn't mind it. I mean, for a little. We hated it, but we didn't mind it. We tried to at least like it. See, that was the purveyor of positivity back then. It wasn't. Uh, but we have a plethora of minus one books for everybody this week. We don't have a lot of books, but we're going to get right into them right about now. Yes, Eric, the fail-safe city. We didn't get much of that, did we? No. <laughs> we what did not the Batman get... Dead song? Uh, well, that is coming up later, Eric. Later? I didn't know. Well, actually, 
Do you want me to play that song? I could I, play that when song. When else would actually. we play that song? Well, we're playing then doing I, the Batmans. Then, then I'm, we're going to pause a second with the magic of editing, Eric, and we will play that. I thought that you were against that song. I thought I think you wanted just <laughs> just so you can make fun of me what? because I ended up going with rumors and conjecture is what I think, my friend. Because I made the song, I will play it. To be able to play, you were trying to convince me how, like, oh no, I can still use the song; it still works out, even though things aren't exactly as I thought they were. Well, they weren't. So, with that, the power of editing, we will play that song. Ride of emotions, right about now. Tragic that you have to die to get hot for DC. Didn't this just happen yesterday? You went and died with a Justice League. Now I have to hear the bullshit that you're gonna be replaced. Was it Joker the Bat that killed you? Oh shit, it was just fail safe. Now Batman's dead. Seen this many times before Batman's been Five or six times maybe more Now I guess that we're just left with Chase Yeah, right Batman's dead into these and dead no more I don't think I'm gonna read this anymore like you said, Eric, Batman. Don't you dead. feel good about it now? No. Aren't you happy? Because I see. Because you're a jerk. Batman's not dead. What's wrong with you? What kind of Maybe jerk would do is. this? He could be in heaven. I don't know. That back alleyway of heaven. At the end, Failsafe says that he felt compassion. He finally killed Batman. That's what he wanted. A good death. He got it. Sayonara, sucker. It's funny because I ended up saying in that song. That Batman just died yesterday with the Justice League. I meant more of publication time, Eric, because... Oh, not continuity-wise, yeah. Because people were yelling about, man, Batman, dead to that. Well, then he's just going to end up having to come back and die again anyway. He's got to go off to Dark Crisis. So it's just an odd play, though. People flipped out at this issue. If you see people's really? reaction, I mean, they end up like, this is People big just go off the deep end for no reason online? That's well, crazy. No, they're going up deep end off of no thing, saying that it's just Chip Zdarsky wrote a real shitty ending and a real shitty story. People have turned on him suddenly with this ending. whole fail-safe deal. Yeah, this is the fail-safe end. We How only have like one this issue. Way? This well, is the I'm thing. Saying. We only have like one more issue before you're going to have to do Lazarus Planet continuity and stuff then like we that. Have anyway, one more issue. So, but no, this at the end it says finale. So I don't know what we're going to do, how we're going to play it, epilogue, whatnot. But this is the fail safe story ending, which is odd, and it better not be because then I will even get even more upset because the more I read this issue. I started to see maybe what Chip Zdarsky's doing. I think he's playing games here, and I think he's trying to do this long con. Not even just the idea of Batman being dead, but also just this long con of kind of poking fun at certain things. I don't think it's playing out as well as I think he hoped, because people aren't going to wait around. They're not being very patient with this and just like, oh, bullshit. I mean, you said the last time we talked about Batman, that you thought he was going to re-enter Earth's atmosphere. And I said, what? That's ridiculous. We have well, the it thing here. Is, I really thought he was going to do it. And because of my ideas on how the Earth works, you know, all my super knowledge of science and whatnot, that he would be small enough to be able to hit an angle where he wouldn't burn up. 
that's not exactly the case, but he did come back into Earth's orbit. And the thing about that is, I enjoy seeing it. Yeah, uh, a lot of people hated it. We'll, we'll get into it in a second. The funny thing is, you said about your ideas of Earth. I just have to admit that my idea of fracking that I had on our Patreon spotlight, it's not what fracking yeah, is. I still there, don't know what fracking is. I, read that I issue, actually I don't looked know. it up. I even said in my notes for later when we get the poison ivy, fracking to me is just a curse word that you use when you're fighting the Cylons. Is That's what right. I think fracking is. But I found out what it was. It's not as exciting as what I thought. Squeezing rocks, Eric, is what I thought it was. You thought that was exciting? Yeah. And then you said you even make diamonds out of it at the end. But hey, everybody, before we get into all these books in this first section, heavy joker section, as we said, but. Uh, go over to our website, weirdsciencedccomics.com. Check out some reviews and even go over to our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, where I do have a video of the Batman deal. And I was getting crap over there. People saying I was being too positive. Oh, right? I didn't think I was. I was People I was are negative it, on the internet? I was giving it some <laughs> crap. Well, I, I, I end up, I guess they wanted me a little more negative than I was. But we'll just jump right into it. Batman number 130, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Jorge Jimenez, Tamu Moray, and Clayton Cowles. We do have a backup that we'll get to in a second, but I think that Chip Zdarsky is playing uh, around. He has been. He's been really centering on a lot of stuff with Grant Morrison. He's been doing a big thing. I think that the idea where people were like, oh my god, the Bat God's back, and this is About bullshit. Time. And uh, I think that this is one of the things, two things that I think that Chip Zdarsky is doing right here, he's showing that, again, it is the bat god. I mean, sure the, kind of the official unofficial, the official unofficial, you know, definition of the bat god is Batman with enough time to prepare can end up killing anybody, taking overcoming down anybody, anything. or overcoming anything. So he's doing that. And so people are like, oh, that, but just think of this. In, in just two minutes, he's able to figure out a way to re-enter Earth's atmosphere and then come out of a crater immediately look in in his defense he comes up with a plan but it does take him 12 hours to execute it well he's doing it but i'm saying this is unbelievable it's so over the top i think this is just to emphasize that he can't beat failsafe the idea that this guy can enter earth's atmosphere that the most unbelievable thing ever and still can't beat failsafe that's to really in my mind show that the real bat god is failsafe failsafe has prepared because he's been programmed to prepare for everything so there's no way batman can beat him even after being able to enter earth's atmosphere i think it's like that exclamation point on the deal of failsafe but i also think that it's one of those things where you do have chip sadarsky maybe making fun a little of the bat god as well like again he can enter Earth's atmosphere but he can't take down this robot but to but me failsafe he... is the ultimate well to me failsafe's the ultimate bat god that's the thing in the way that this plays out, I don't know if he understands exactly what's going to happen because when he turns to Tim, he looks very upset. Tim, it'll be all right. It's not like Tim, things are good, wink, wink, because I do think that he knows exactly what's going to happen. I think that he has set this up when they were battling earlier in the Watchtower. I think that the idea that there was a weapon that maybe fell safe, right? I don't, it, it's weird. I don't know what that gun is. But I'm thinking this is something that was along the line, maybe picked it up outside of the fortress. I don't know. That is something that, you know, Batman knew. If I get shot by this, I'll end up here. I won't die, whatever. But it's weird when he says to Tim, you know, it's okay, I'll be. And he's going to be okay. But he looks very, very upset saying that. 
So I don't know. I don't know what he has planned. But I think that in the end, like I said, I think it's playing with this bat god thing. And he has had a little more chance to prepare than we realize. And he knows what's going to happen. But not everything, though, is great in this issue. Uh, you like the idea of him going into the Earth's atmosphere. No, this, this thing I think is it with went all on that, too long. It I, did go on a bit long because it took up a lot of page space to get us there because we have to go through 12 hours of Batman floating through space. He has his underwear on his face, Eric. Underwear, he has. Yeah, who hasn't done that every that now? That made me giggle. I want to be Spider-Man or a luchador sometimes. Exactly. This shit's going to happen. Oh, yeah, and he looks kind of cool like that. I think there's also a couple little, like, wink-wink fun things like that. Oh, you know, Clark. He didn't like the trunks. That's kind of a funny thing because usually the trunks, it's usually thrown at Superman people when they brought back the trunks. So it's like he's protesting. Now we know that Batman wanted the trunks and for Superman. And that's the thing. At one point, we both had them without the trunks and people loved it and people hated it because they wanted classic characters and people wanted updated versions of the classic characters. And then they both came back with the trunks. People lost their minds. People were happy. But just the idea that Batman, on top of being the bad guy, is going to take credit for bringing the trunks back for everybody to enjoy. It made me laugh so much. It made me laugh so much. And it's almost the idea that if you even if you hate the trunks, if you know that Superman's doing it under protest, it makes it better. You, you know, because it's weird. Like you can then play the idea. Yeah, Batman is a dick. I think it's a shout. And I also want to make it like he's an unreliable narrator. Where he's saying this is the case. It might not even be that. But the Bat God. People hate the Bat God. I love the Bat God because I need this mortal man to be able to stand amongst gods. And the idea that he has the fortitude and willpower and brain power to be able to do this is something that I want to see come across on the page. And with this run, you do because not only do you have Batman overcoming being in deep space, re-entering Earth's orbit, and you know, overcoming a fall to the ground right there because of like you know all the the gliding tech in his cape and whatnot. You have all of this, and then he has to take on a robot that he programmed to be even better than himself. To think about things that he can, he he all, all the things that he can, but at a like a, a nanosecond to take the time to do it. I like this version because we never get to see this. The humanization of Batman made him look like a jerk. This is the Batman that I do like to see. And here's the thing: this is what I kind of get upset about. The Bat God Scott Snyder is listed as really having a lot of Bat God. And the funny thing is, so was Grant Morrison. Yeah, I mean, Grant Morrison had a lot of Bat God. So the idea that Chip Zdarsky's grabbing a lot of Grant Morrison stuff. I think that he's kind of doing that again as a wink, wink of some Grant Morrison little things going on. But the thing that I I just, it drives me nuts when people sit there and like, that's why I like Tom King. He didn't have the back out. Oh, really? Like Batman walking 40,000 miles through the Siberia Siberia? in two seconds in a thing that even looks like it when Batman comes out of that crater there, everybody ends up. Have, you have to end up with some back god at a point. The guy is a mortal guy. If he ends up getting shot 50 times and doesn't die, back god. It, it, it always is. And so the having worst part it, of the back godding for this to me is him winding up right outside the Fortress of Solitude, though, yeah. when he does make landfall. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't mind that in two seconds he just comes Everything, out of the crater badass? I, no, I, I'm fine with that. I am fine with him like surviving deep space, even you know, salvaging an oxygen tank from a destroyed JS, uh, JLA ship that was you know, failsafe already destroyed. Using that and using his grapple gun gas to just propel himself through space to get him back towards Earth, fine with it all. Just being right outside the Fortress of Solitude, it's a little much. Yeah, well... You know what I don't like? And, and this is a weird deal because this is Bat God. I mean, we're saying it and I don't mind it. I thought it went a little too far. As, as I said, too many pages. But the idea where if it's Bat God, go Bat God. I don't need 
a really intricate explanation scientifically of how it's going to oh, happen. Oh, then he just get priest when he did the Justice League and like talked about me. how Flash runs in space and just became pages of scientific data. I'm like, uh, it's a little cringy. And I think that Chip Cigars, he's trying to give you back God without giving you the how did he survive? Well, he's Batman. You know, he wants the, to give well, you some scientific part. parts of it. I, it just was too much. I like to just kind of suspend disbelief as Bat God. But when you start to get too technical, then I'm starting to get technical about I how know, it's Ram happening. Ram ever they're not being technical enough with his Revolutionary War and you're losing your mind. Yeah, but that, no, that's just straight up not knowing the dates. That, that's <laughs> just, that's not Bat God. That's, you know, shoddy history. I'm saying the idea like, the oxygen levels is fine. You want to get all excited about it. But when he gets really into it, it goes a little bit beyond what you want to do, I think, with the bad God. Usually the bad God is like the preparation is beyond us. So we you just go with it. And it just was a little too technical to then have bad God. But it was okay. I didn't mind it. It just it, it did last a little too long. No, I agree. But when, it, when he comes out of the thing and you go from there you're like okay there's one other thing though that really upset me in this issue but besides that this was pretty good uh, it's well, not the, the thing great, about the chip Zdorsky batman that i am enjoying because i'll say if it's hit or miss for each individual issue that i'm getting right now but i've enjoyed it for the most part because i am getting the bat guy that i've sorely missed but on top of that with tim drake being there as the robin the dynamic duo that i know and love Batman is a very compassionate Batman here for how he treats Tim, how he thinks about Tim. And so we're getting the, you know, the humanized Batman and the bad God, the family man, and this freaking, this person who can stand toe to toe with gods in the same issue. I'm like, this is the Batman that I do like to see because you're getting best of both worlds. And even when Batman's a dick, since the time of, you know, what I think Chip Zdarsky's saying, the time of Azorin R way early in the deal, that was a Batman who thought that possibly, you know, you have to be hard edge. You can't be nice to people. You can't do this. Even when he's a dick, he is more compassionate than he was at the beginning of his career, I think, and especially the with the Robin. Yeah, so I think that that's the big play. That's what I said, though. I think that Chip starts, he's trying to give you this kind of angle of this, but I don't know that it plays out as well because a lot of people did tune out when they saw oh, Batman re-entered Earth. Like, it's so extravagant. <laughs> that, well, Yeah, but it's so extravagant that some people just at that moment said bullshit, and I don't think that they realize there might be a little subtlety to this that maybe shouldn't have been so subtle. That idea of a compassionate Batman is actually stronger than a Batman who is the Bat-God technically, and that's where you have Failsafe versus him and such. But when you end up... I. This is my failings of this issue. This is the thing that I didn't like. Batman comes into the fortress, right? And they're like, oh, my God. And I like where Superman gets out of the, you know, solar, the chamber solar tank, and yeah. says, I heard him. I, I, I could hear his heartbeat. Oh, my God. You know, we have to see what's going on. And he just walks in. I like that. You know, he's right to business. You know, hey, Tim Clark, I need access to the. I, got, I imagine he's still smoking as he oh, walks yeah, he into. Oh, I see oh, he it right there. there. He <laughs> is, yeah, yeah, and he's there, and, and like, whoa, where were you? I fell from the moon. I like that nonchalant just. And you have, you know, you? Tim is just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you. When he goes, you, and he probably thought for a second, just like, yep, okay. But the big play of, hey, Clark, I need you to go out there, and I need you. Failsafe is going to be here, and I need you to give me some time. I need some time. And he goes out and he's like, okay, I'm not 100%. You have chip stars. He say that. And then you end up having failsafe just coming out of the snow, you know, into the, the frame, which very reminiscent again of that Tom King cold day story. That was how Batman kind of came out of the snow into 
you know, the frame in Which that is as very well. Terminator-esque. Yeah, I'm very Terminator. And this is where you end up having Superman come in with a very specific comment. I wasn't prepared for you last time, but now I am. So now you're like, who are we getting the, the super god? And he gets this too, the idea that Clark needs to buy Bruce some time to figure out what he's going to do to take down Failsafe. And in order to do this, we know in the previous issue that Clark was taken down by a kryptonite knife along those lines. So now you get something that's very reminiscent of the Superman animated series with the lead suit that he would wear to battle anybody with Kryptonian, or Kryptonian, kryptonite type powers. And he's going to take on Failsafe. It's just so disappointing, though, that's that you have my Superman going here in where, this. You know, Failsafe, you just don't know about the pressure points, Superman. He hits him in the back of the neck. He can't control his heat vision. The fight's over before it even begins, it feels like. Superman's over for 2 and looks like a chump. That was what upset me. Because of the Thank idea, seriously, Superman, no trash talk next time. Don't come in and say, I wasn't prepared for you last time when you don't look prepared here. Well, what, what did you prepare for? He like just he flies at him. On. Yeah, he has a suit on. He ends up, he's not 100%, and he says, I wasn't prepared for you. Maybe he's just like saying that. Hey, by the way, you beat me last time. I wasn't prepared. Now I don't know what his excuse is here. But you do end Pressure up having points. a fail safe. Just take him down way too quick. Well, I, I kind of like this. And it's crazy to think of what's going on here. And I don't know how this ends up being a thing that he survives from. But he's ending up reversing the, you know, heat vision deal where it looks like he's just frying his whole head from the inside. But he ends up and everything expels. Just such a weird idea. It's like involuntary heat vision reflecting back at you. Uh, unpleasant, disorienting. I'm like, so yeah, pretty much inside that lead suit, Superman is just cooking his face off. Yeah, yeah, it's cooking it. <laughs> face uh but then in that you end up having batman talking to tim and and again when i talked to some people and people were saying oh i hated this and batman never had any time to prepare so no he did you you saw it in space like that's the thing how much time you know does a bad god need to repair it could be five minutes it could be two seconds it could be like you said a 12-hour descent into Earth's atmosphere. And even the idea of this, though, like, you know, we we had a bunch of planning going on for our last assault when we ended up on the JLA moon base in the previous issue. Who knows how far we got? We know we got the, you know, Element X new god gun thing to, you know, blow apart his back off so we can get to his, you know, circuitry slash programming hub, whatever you want to call it. With all of that, we know that there was a bunch of planning involved in the idea that this is almost a Hail Mary thing at the end. He's able to overcome because of what he did previously. He's had 12 hours in space to think about this whole thing, plus all the time it took him to get to the, a proper plan that he had in the previous issue. So there's a lot of time for Batman to think about this. I think when he was re-entering Earth's atmosphere, when he was passing out half the time, he might have been thinking of other things, but he's already set the plan in motion. So like you said, he's already he's got it in the back of his head, what he's going to do, how can this help, what he's doing, because he did poke a hole into failsafe, and then you end up, I like Tim. Who is smart, and you end up having Batman's inner monologue kind of saying that Tim was the best Robin, at least you know what? He's when so they right. fight. And I like that. I'm more of a Dick Grayson fan, but in this way, he is right. I like the way that he describes it, but I like Tim right away. <laughs> Batman goes, hey, I popped a hole in the back of Felsen. Ooh, we'll put explosive in there? No, no, no that won't no, work. No, calm down. Like, and he says the inner protection. And compassion. what you have to do is, this gets back to, you know, are you going to teach the computer that there is no winner in thermonuclear war? What you're going to do is right, sneak, Joshua. Take that. sneak a little bit of compassion in that is going to be able to sneak in as not a virus, but more of a upgrade. 
Because he does say, he says, if we put a, yeah, an update, he's swiping up, Eric. See, nobody's going to get in trouble from their wife, though. You end up where <laughs> you end up where you have this thing going, and it's not going to react to it. It's going to allow this to sneak through again. Something Batman's probably been thinking of for a while. Of you know, I can't really give it a virus; it'll shut that down right away. We're going to go with this, but really, at this point, you don't really know what compassion would do to a Terminator. Is he going to go a thumbs up into the lava? Kind of. You, you say that. We kind of did see that in T2, though. Even with the deleted scene where they, like, reversed his chip to be able to learn new things past his programming. But I like I liked the Terminator 2 deal better, but you're not going to get Batman and Failsafe hanging around for a while. No problemo. That's right, Failsafe. You did it, guy. That, yeah, that's what we need. But he's going to kind of do that quick end this, and he's going to give it this compassion. But, you know, what does that mean? And the idea we have to stop him, we got to take it down. Now, one of the failings of this story as well was that, hey, he's taken over Gotham. We've never seen anything of that, no. I said, in the in the whole failsafe city. Who knows? Like, fail there safe were other of versions of those robots flying around. Like, what well, happens even the idea when this where goes? We- Let's say we're go- let's go back to Gotham right now, where everybody's in tanks and Oracle is strapped up to the computer like she's part of like some dystopian future from a '90s movie. Yeah, exactly. That's like do you the evolution, do a little more than that. <laughs> doing that. Oh my god! But I liked this in the way them where you have, and again, it's pointing out the idea of compassion, and I think that the compassion, a lot of what Batman's compassion has come from, are his family and friends. You know, the Robins. Jason's going to get on the painting one day. He might. But so the Zoran R failsafe kind of deal here, he isn't putting that into the equation where Batman says he's good against Batman, but he's never faced Batman and Robin. And I thought that was a really good play. There, were, I think there's some really good things in this. I just think they're kind of below the surface where people aren't digging in because they hate the back guy. And I don't know why, because the Bat God, like most of the great stories in my mind have been Bat God things. It's they think people say Bat God as if Batman, you know, doesn't do anything a whole story. I might say it's because in this, but that there's no explanation. All of a sudden, yep, one, because I'm Batman. And there is always a little more to that in the great stories. But you end up where they go out to face them. And yeah, this is where you get. Batman saying the old moves come back. I always like working with Tim because Tim followed the rules. He knew what we were supposed Dick to went do. Off book. Jason hated the training, but Tim, he loved the teamwork. I'm yeah, like, damn he right he did. It. It's all he's the Wayne Gretzky of the Robins, it seems, and that is the great one. So I guess he is the best. The best assist like I ever. said, I like Dick Grayson the most. That doesn't mean that I'm saying he's the best Robin, because maybe Tim is. I don't know, but you have the stanium one off his one tear going down his cheek. He thought he was the best. Look, the thing, he's going to talk shit on the Robins. We get we end with Tim. Look, he's my boy. I can't talk shit. So let's just fight this robot. Yeah, it'd be funny. And you, you end up there running out. They, they aren't doing some damage to it. They are beating up. They have to distract it to get this nanotech in there. And they do. And when you get that, you end up having pretty much a freak out by failsafe. I mean, he's... You know, going all over the place. He's running around. It, I wanted to see this emotion where he's like spinning in circles, and he's still, and then he just starts running back to. Well, that's the, the weirdest part about this whole thing because we have the idea where you know he's been infected with compassion right now. What does that mean? Because Batman doesn't know if this is actually going to go through. If his program is going to update this whole thing, allow him to be able to survive his Frankenstein monster essentially. But when Failsafe does come back and like goes out there, it's like 
I need to eliminate. Batman cannot. He has a gun in his hand that apparently he just got from the Fortress of Solitude. Some kind of energy weapon. That's what it looked like, right? Because he didn't have it previously, though. That's the weird play. Even at this point in time. Well, what's the weird play? I wish that they, we saw him go into the fortress. Well, I, the thing you is, know I'm what sure I mean? we're going to see it in the next issue because this is going to be the linchpin of everything going on with the fail safe story because we have him come back with this energy weapon and Batman sees him like the gun drawing down on him. He knows that Tim's going to freak out. And I like to think in the back of his mind, he's thinking about a world where ba- Tim witnesses Batman dying again after, you know, he died in Final Crisis. But thinking about that Titans of Tomorrow where Tim grew up to be that kind of brutal Batman figure who wasn't going to be like, you know, play by the rules the way that Batman did because all it does is get him killed. But in this whole thing, you know, before Batman does go down, he's like, it's okay, Tim, I'll be. And then failsafe pulls the trigger, obliterating Batman with a red beam. And at this point in time, like, he's like, he, <laughs> Batman is gone. He's essentially dust. And failsafe right there uses his own energy to destroy the weapon that he just used to take out the Batman. Which is such a shame because then the, you can't have Tim find out what it is right away because it's, it definitely hinges on that. You were supposed to have compassion. You were Tim Drake. That was compassion. And at that point in time, Failsafe flies off. As far as I'm concerned, he says he's going to fly into the sun and destroy himself because he completed his mission. But by the end of the issue, it's almost like this was an Omega Beam gun because Batman has gone on the scene and he has teleported somewhere, somewhere in the rain. I want to think it's Gotham. doesn't have to be, but it's some dark alley in the rain. So it. it looks like Gotham every day. Yeah. And so the idea here where I think Chip Zdarsky is trying to, and that's kind of, I don't love the way that you play this out. Because you do see Failsafe running towards the fortress. Fortress, Batman says, we can't let him get there. There's things there that I don't want him to touch. There's too many dangerous items, just like there would have been in the Watchtower as well. But then you end up where you see where it almost seems as if you have, because you see that when he goes, much too dangerous items for my liking. And you have, and then running back towards you. It doesn't look like he ever got in. But I think that like there is there where we'll see, like you said, dear failsafe, here's a gift for you. And there's a gun. I mean, is it that easy that Batman planted this gun there, knowing what it would do, setting up for what it would do so that when you have failsafe seed, he grabs it and runs back with it. And the compassion is that he's like, I know what you're trying to do, the Batmans, and then goes. But it's a weird play because he shoots Batman. Batman looks upset when he's talking. He says, I've had a dream about me dying and then Tim getting Joker killed killing by everybody, Joker yeah. and everybody will be, you know, pretty much done without me. It's a little bit of a pretentious little dick move with him. But you end up dream. where he looks over and he says, it's OK, I'll be. And But he looks so sad. Like if this was like, don't worry, I set this up. Like he says it real quick. Like we always say when you have some. I got to tell you that secret. And then they don't. And then they Look, get the killed. the thing is, Batman's just playing the same thing. Because we rescued Tim from that, you know, Mr. Oz pocket dimension prison. We ain't never talked about that shit. Yeah, well, yeah. Seriously, it's kind of like that. But again, Grant Morrison. This is just like when Tim died in Detective Comics, though, and was teleported away where everybody thought he was murdered. How about if just Batman is just in Gotham and they go and got him? It was all a punk. He pranked him. And then Tim's like, what the hell? And he goes, Alan Ashton Kutcher comes walking out. Yeah, exactly. You have it all. Alan Funt, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's the multiverse of punkings. You end up where he says, oh, that, that was to get you back for that bullshit back in Detective Comics, you jerk. He's like, that wasn't my fault. That was Mr. Oz. That was Superman's daddy. And he goes, that was Mr. Oz. And then you end up where Batman who? And then you can't really explain it. So it's they true. all just walk away. Uh, but yeah, you end up having him say, I just think that he has set this up. And the thing of destroying the gun, like I said, it's 
It's such a shame because if he just dropped it, then Tim, oh, I get it now, but there's nothing. And he says, well, even the idea without that, just the failsafe being this, you know, Zuran Ah kind of aspect of Batman, all these different things that are Batman. That's like, you know, who he is essentially the ultimate bat god itself, where he kills somebody. He finishes his program like Batman's idea of stopping crime in Gotham. He can put the cape down at that point in time. He's killed Batman. He destroys the weapon that did it, and he's done now. I just like the the, the symbolism of that. Just, I am done now. I don't need to hurt anybody else, and I'm done. The system ended. The thing that worries me is now you don't realize he's killed Batman. Now, failsafe's failsafe. He's now activated because now failsafe killed somebody. But the weird we play of this is... We do have all failsafe robots as far as we're concerned. Yeah, exactly. I'm, when you said flying into the sun, I'm expecting them to all fly out. look like sentinels heading out into the, the atmosphere. You end up, though... The weird play. How does he know Batman's eliminated? He, he had this idea where you throw a We don't know what he means by com- uh, compassion. That's what I'm so. saying, though. When he says Batman eliminated, I thought that it was going to be like one of those where Batman wakes up. Oh, my God. My parents are alive again. I de- like there's such weird wonky things. Well, that even come the to idea mind. where it's like, OK. What's this gun in the Fortress of Solitude? He's reading the fine print real fast because he just ran his ass to the Fortress has to run his ass backwards. So he's trying to read all the fine print he can on the display cases in the Fortress of Solitude. All right, this is a gun that teleports you and also causes amnesia. Perfect. Yeah, I tell you, that's what I'm saying. It's like the non-Batman Batman gun eliminated. that makes it look like you're dead, but then eliminated. It's a really odd play. Now, if you end up where I think maybe, maybe a cool deal, but I don't know how it works out this way, but how cool would it have been if he runs into the fortress and he actually he knows that's because he says now here's a, a play where I might I'm thinking of something goofy and it might be some when he says to Superman, I know everything about you, things you don't even know about. Why don't we find out? Oh, shit. Superman has his own contingency deal and he has this gun of the non-Batman like gun, you know, like that whole weird play of this weird gun that stops Batman. But. I think of it being a technical deal when he says Batman eliminated. It doesn't say Batman killed. Batman eliminated, and then he flies off. Well, even off. the idea with the, like, you know, it's a red beam, and, like, and seeing Batman die along these lines, but showing up somewhere else, it takes me right back to Final Crisis when Darkseid killed Batman. All this his is body disintegr- stuff, I'm so. saying His body disintegrated right there because from the beams. He was also transported back in time because of bullshit Omega Effect nonsense. This seems like it's the same thing because we see Tim Drake. Oh, my God. Batman was just vaporized in front of me. Here's all of his remnants of his ashy ass body. Oh, but he's also over here because Omega Effect. Yeah. And I mean, Omega Effect right away when I see the gun, you think of Omega and you think of time travel. And then with the idea of Batman eliminated and I had compassion, I I start thinking that that is the alley where all of a sudden you're going to see little Brucey with his parents come down and it's going to be the opportunity for Batman to then stop that. To end the Batman. And the thing is, how the fuck does he get back then? I, I don't understand, Eric. It gets saying, me all just travel crazy. Through time like it's fine. But the thing, it doesn't even matter. You can't eliminate the Batman that way. Because so, Are we going to see Booster Gold sitting there like, you know, before for the weird time paradox that we had during Tom King's run? Maybe. And and this is the crazy deal. Like you're saying, well, you can't. Do, well, yes, you can't do that if, if it's a cool story. This might be a bullshit story. I'm not saying I love Chip Zdarsky, but, but we still have to have some more parts of this story. Like I know we're going to Lazarus Planet, only one issue left. I actually I don't know this. I'm taking your word yeah, for it. Well, so I don't, I don't know. That kind of seems like it's going to be going, but I don't but know if, if the Batman the, book does that. Okay, so I have no idea. In my mind, the story keeps going because we still have to find Paul Meredith's ass and say, "Hey, look, the Penguin's still alive. Look at Metropolis as a florist." Well, that's the thing. I don't know if I told you that, but there is a book based on that coming out. God, it's going to be so DC. good. <laughs> but it, no. It's it's Tom King. 
No. And it's it's that it's uh they go to Penguin to be a like an FBI secret agent. So I don't That's know the if it's gonna, thing ever. I don't know if it's gonna be for you, Eric, but God still. damn it. There was so much things there was so much things going on with Paul Meredith. I needed him to have a life outside of Tom King. Yeah, uh fail safe finale. This is next a world of crime. So we'll have to see. But that means in the meantime, in between the deals, I'll probably look up the solicits for. See, I don't like to spoil myself for what's coming. I like to come in fresh so I don't look at that. Maybe I'm not well informed, but I'm still surprised. Exactly. But I'd like to see if maybe this continues or not, or if this is a finale and a finale deal. I know you say that. We'll see. We shall see because the, the funny play is, again, we talked about it at the beginning. Batman at this point, he's got to be alive because he's got to go die. I yes. mean, in the timeline, that's, but again, are they getting wonky with things again? I don't know. But we'll go off to the backup story, which is okay. It's more Zur and R stuff, which I enjoy for the most part, because it's like I said in the previous backups dealing with this, it's just keep, keep like getting people up to date with what the Zur and R stuff is in a more contemporary kind of way and showing what it means to Batman, creating the system inside of his mind to fight against psychological attacks and what the thing, like the idea of it itself just completely taking over and Batman actually having to fight himself to figure out who the Batman really is. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I, I don't mind taking it. things too far. No, it's fine. It's just very silver agey. And if that's what it, it wants to be, it's fine. It's way better than any, you know, the Joker, the man who stopped laughing backups the way, because they're very similar in my mind, the way they, they are work, very the similar. they're going for, but this is actually doing something in a, in a way to inform people of what they're actually reading about currently in Batman. Yeah, it's almost like you, you would want to read this beforehand and then get into the other. But it's I Am a Gun. It was written by Chip Zdarsky, Leonardo Romero on art, Jordi Belair and Clayton Cowles. And I like the one point. I mean, it, it's very quick. And like you said, this is just, hey, everybody, this is kind of what Zoran R, you know, Batman is about. It. You also see that it points Batman having to fight against himself, but also being saved by his mommy of the mind. Yeah, and even being a little inspired by it, changing up his look or whatnot. But I actually really like the one part, and I think it was very, very smart. The idea of, well, you know, hey, I thought you were only here for psychological attacks. And Zoran R. Batman, like, Joker is. That's what Joker is. He is a psychological attack. And I thought, you know what? I think you did it there. (laughs) That was really cool. I really, really like that part. But overall, it's it's. I, I don't want to say it's a lot of nothing because it is something. It's just well, kind of like, okay. the end when Batman is confronted with the Zuranar and the mommy of the mind tells him that it's not real. It's just a, like this form that he created. He can take control and stuff like that and be the Batman that he wants to be outside of this whole thing. Zuranar is always going to be there because he put him there, but he doesn't have to be in control. But I love by the end of this when Batman doesn't cross the line. You see that it's still in the era of him and Dick Grayson early on in the Batman and Robin days. And it is a part of this Zuranar thing. For the way that he saw the Zuranar symbol on Zuranar's chest is why he put this new, like, you know, the yellow around the bat symbol. Because everybody always attributes that to being like, you know, him and Robin. That's the Robin aspect to the whole thing, the lighter kind of Batman than it was. But it's kind of a, uh, like a way of telling it that it's both because it is in this era and it's something that was in the back of his mind. And I like it when he has that new symbol and, and oh man, yellow, I like it. You have Dick Grayson, like, finally, something, you know, there. And he says, either this is, you know, little distraction they'll end up shooting it and that's where i have my armor fortified i like that even that goes back to like uh, the dark knight returns talk about bruce like maybe it'll draw enemy fire to my fortified chest plate so it's like you know it's doing all these things silver agey current day and even you know an elseworld future kind of way for, the, for how it's playing out tying all these great ideas that bruce has throughout all these different comics together in a very fun way yeah and i, I think that that's what chip Zdarsky overall is doing he's tying in a lot of things that 
people really liked Batman the Night. And that was giving you that new kind of feel, you know, like you said, an updated version of the year one, things like that. And even this with his regular, you know, story that we just did this backup, he is kind of leaning on some of the Silver Age stuff and the Grant Morrison stuff and a lot of other stuff. It's a lot of layers involved. Well, why not take what's coming before and make it your own? And people just suddenly just are against it with this issue. And, and I didn't love it. I didn't think that it was it's the greatest a celebration. Of but I did like the idea of you had to get to this level to show Batman is so powerful. Like, be reminded of why he's Batman and why people. And he still seems to lose at the end. But did he? Yeah, I, I really thought that was a cool play. Uh, but overall, what would you give this? Ultimately, I think the art's great in this book. I love Tim Drake being in this and being told. Like, I just like to be reassured with Batman telling me how great Tim Drake is. Because I know. I just like hearing Batman say it as well. But throughout this whole thing, I love the background. I love this aspect of this book. I love the compassion of Batman in this book because these are both the aspects that I love. Married them together. It's almost a perfect mixture. But the whole thing with the extended play of Batman coming back to Earth, it was too much too soon. Uh, the Superman stuff, I thought it was going to be cool at first. Over before it began, this is still a really good issue with some shortcomings to slow it down, but ultimately I give it a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, I gave it a 7.8. And so we're pretty much right on. I mean, we're yeah. talking about it. We still like it. Oh, it it's not perfect. And really, if I see that this is it, like suddenly next list, it's like, Batman's done with that failsafe, and now he's up to, to stop King Tut. And I'd be like, oh, that sounds fun. No, no, that's, that's a shitty weird. setting, but it doesn't make sense. But no, you have to continue the story because this is not an ending by any ch- feel like chance. Also, you have to end up seeing Tim scurry off and tell all the other Robins they're bullshit and start laughing at him. But we'll move on to the he's next book. About he's going to <laughs> freaking write out a billboard in Gotham. Yeah, really. Yeah, really. I thought you were going to say he's going to keep crying. Tim Drake this, Tim Drake that. But if, if I'm going with the continuity that we had pre-Flashpoint, I'm like, this is still Tim Wayne, bitches. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, seriously. But again, that's kind of the fun thing that Chip Zdarsky has been doing, like kind of melding everything together and whatnot. But and I love Batman, that. Batman. And the Joker Deadly Duo is next. And this is a book that that me and you were both a little down on the first issue. This is something where a lot of people, a lot of hype, a lot of hype with Mark Silvestri doing this book. This book is 10 years in the making. Eric said it should have been two more years. (laughs) That's what you said. Uh, So everybody was upset at you, Eric, but not as upset about another thing that we'll hear in the mail. But even so, though, uh, the first issue was a lot of nothing to me. I I made that joke almost about that backup and that Batman, but that first feel of you the Deadly Duel shit, was Jim. just Every, not much going on. And then everybody this comes talked in. about how great this book was, made us talk about, or they you know t- talked about us talking about it. The you made me talk about it. Didn't want to do it. Did it in protest. Did the book. Didn't like it. Here we are a month later. I get into this book here, and that first issue was such nothing. I wanted this. Had no idea it was going. Had to go back and read that bullshit again for the first issue because I had to feel like, where are we? What are we doing? Because I didn't remember. It left zero impact on me. And I'm like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll be talking about that in the mail as well later. Uh, but I like this issue a little better than the not. first one. Uh, at least as you get to the second half of it. We're stem cell growing teeth people in the back cave. I'm, I don't know. But Eric, we found out the Joker's made of people. You end up where when, when I jumped in, I had to go read the first issue again. Not the and, Joker and it's not, Joker. It's not, I know. It's not that we're, you know, dummies, which maybe we are. Uh, but I think that you nailed it right on the head. 
the the first issue had no impact whatsoever. And I didn't I'm even afraid, know who the big bad was. And then I went back and realized, oh, we still don't know who the big bad yeah, is. Yeah, I'm afraid that maybe this is going to continue the idea of no impact. And it's one of those that we're reading. And you're like, okay, well, Joker it is what it is. Monsters. And you go. But Batman and the Joker, Deadly Duel number two is written by Mark Silvestri, art by Mark Silvestri, Arif Priano, and Troy Battieri. And yeah, my only note is Joker's made of people. There's my Joker. But you start out and you end up having Jim Gordon. He's there. And I mean, seriously, how many chains does he have? He could go rule war world. Because right that was, that was one of, of change, our things right? at the last issue ended where we found out before, like, we were led to believe that Jim Gordon was out there fly fishing on vacation and stuff along those lines. At the end, we found out that our big bad has Gordon, and he also, and, I want to say amputated, but I don't think that's the right word, surgically removed, I'm guessing a kidney or some kind of thing that inside of him that he doesn't need, which will continue this issue, but... We have Harley Quinn kidnapped by our big bad, putting the Joker into the mix here. We have Jim Gordon, you know, kidnapped, putting Batman into the mix. He's going to be no matter what. But pretty much the two baby dolls of our deadly duo here are kidnapped, and these two have to get together to stop it. And there's also other things going on along the lines of, like, Jigsaw-esque, you know, commands for they want to play a game where the Joker has to go and do this, even though he's doing something else. Now Batman's going to do it here. I'm like... Oh my! Look, stem cell <laughs> you really Joker didn't people. like this, right? Oh my god! You don't like the stem cell Joker people, do you? I, it's weird too because what I feel like this book is, and again, ten years in the making. So I'm not going to say that oh he grabbed that from this or he took that from that. But when you end up having a book that takes that long, sometimes people end up doing things that you might end up doing. But it, this doesn't feel fresh then because it's lasted so long. The idea of Joker and Harley, obviously, that's going to throw people off. That's, and this the, that's the least of my concerns. There's the thing where you end up talking about clones and things like that. And we had that in the Joker book series. and But this isn't as good. Then you end up having just tons of Jokers, which they're doing in. And I swear, it's just, you know, it's just the Joker with the G virus from Resident Evil 2, where it just keeps mutating and like, you know, healing itself over and over again. And that's all it really ends up feeling like. And there's a marriage between Resident Evil and the Batman and Joker. And and so you end up where I think there's some cool factor to it, but the idea just kind of gets mixed in all together to be a lot. It, it seems like, I mean, doesn't it feel like it's a mess? I mean, yes. like the idea where you're going from one scene to the other and it's not really hitting very well. And then when you move to the next scene, you don't really know what's going on and everything is just kind of just thrown at you. And it's just the like the, a lot of the issue, too, is just the idea like, Oh man, won't it be crazy for the Batman have to deal with the Joker and the hijinks the Joker will try to throw at Batman while he has to deal with it? It's the funny yes, thing is that's what you, you, have, have. you have that and yeah, you do get that idea where it's like that basic bitch formula and you're not really going much from that. You're just sitting there like, oh man, but by the end of two issues, you can't just keep saying, man, isn't that cool? Like you start like... Isn't it cool? Like, is it? Like, the I don't know. The biggest disappointment with this being like 10 years in the making along those lines where if they started making this in 2012, right? I wanted the idea where this issue, everything, I, I don't know where things fell apart. The art, the writing, what took 10 years to do it. I have no idea. I, just, but I have, think that he just never really got around to finishing but it. But when he we just have Nightwing, Dick Grayson show up in the Batcave because Bruce is like, you know, pseudo infected by one of these Joker stem cell monsters. He is out cold while they fill his body with antibiotics because there's a tooth left in him that's going to start, start growing into its own person. But while he's out, Dick Grayson shows up with Alfred because he's concerned. And I just really wanted this Nightwing to have the red like Nightwing symbol on his chest. I'll, I'll send you something later. I had right. something in the works. You know what I did? I ended up getting that one panel. Yeah, look at it. I started coloring it red. But then I, I didn't have enough time because <laughs> I had to read. Area. This is an area of this time. It should be red. 
think I was the only one who liked that red. I was just trying to get the symbol red, the sh- and I was going to send it to you and say, <laughs> why isn't it red? This would have been ah, so awesome. Great Even in that, the idea of it, it would have popped so much more with that I red know. there. Oh, my God. that That's pretty much the one thing that I really like about it, but it was that I liked that I was going to send you a thing. But when you get the Joker here, they have a, a nice little back and forth. But again, we're going to get that kind of. We've seen that a million times. Here. We've seen it a million times. And the idea of, oh, what is this? Oh, they, the kids call it a phone there, Batman. He's like, yeah, but what? And then you get well, the a Joker jigsaw. Wouldn't have you, one of these newfangled yeah, phones. You get that jigsaw play. And then Batman's just like, well, I'm going to take it. I'm going to figure out what's going on. And then heads off to. You know where the Joker was supposed to go. You know, the Wayne recycling plant, the Wayne recycling steel company plant. in the World War One. But you know, I just like the idea that the Waynes, in my mind, re- invented recycling after World War One. Yeah, really, they might have. But yeah, it was the recycling plant. It's been like they didn't shut even start throwing, putting out public trash cans until the seventies. But back in the First World War, you know, the Waynes got on top of that recycling. Yeah, and so. Like you said, I, well, there is a lot of mention of Wolfman. The so Wolfman. I like that air. I like just the, uh, it must be the Wolfman. So I'm like, I don't know. That seemed more like a like a vampire thing. But if you're going to say Wolfman, the I'll wolf go. Man. But when yeah, they the end Wolfman's up taking that, they end up taking that tooth off, right? The minute that it grows another part of a tooth in there, get that thing the fuck out. Like, I'm talking, get it out. But even then, in my mind, I don't know why, but I thought right away. Oh, it's a, it's a tracking device. Like, I thought this was going to be something bigger. Like, Batman would never allow this tooth to be in the... Then they just put it in a thing, and it's I just I wish I could remember later. when the stem cells became the big thing. I want to say it was around this time, but I think it was previous before that, but the idea of 2012. But for some reason, I want to think that this is based on the idea of all the stem cell. Like, people are against this whole thing because it could be this miracle cure, but it's also the fetuses and stuff along those lines. And this is like the miracle, like science of stem cells we're seeing right here, based on the idea of no information for when this was written. The stories came out. Yeah, like all of a sudden, like everybody's walking down the street and they're listening to grunge because it's so old or something like that. Is that what you're saying? It's all grunge. Yeah, no, That's what I'm doing. At the, at the point where, again, though, it's a weird book to talk about because you end up where, yeah, the Joker and Batman are fighting off these clone they're jokers. beating them off hardcore. I like some of it, though. I do like where Joker's hanging up. Hey, uh, can you free me so I can give you a hand? Like, a hand? And he ends up throwing the Batarang, knocks him down, but then the Joker can't get out of his own way. He's falling off a building. The talk going on. But in the end, all the scene is it's pretty much a nothing scene just to get Batman bitten so that you can get that tooth in. And then by the end, when Batman does go to this recycling plant, you end up where, again, it, uh, there's smoke coming out. I better go and vet. Nobody else has paid attention. They're not going, and well, they end up that. going there. And, you know, oh, where's the Joker? Are you going to do what he was going to do? No, I'm just here because I'm curious. Just and then the he idea ends up when you show up. With you got stem cell Joker monsters in there, and they're the children, the creations of whoever our big bad is. The Joker was supposed to be here for his, let's call it a game. But Batman is there instead because he followed the phone, like, you know, giving him, you know, text message to a location. And it is just so over the top jigsaw. And like the Saw movies in general is like the metal door slams shut and locks behind me. The grinding sound of long dead machinery returning to life fills the voids. And it's just like you see two people hanging in this gigantic monstrosity of a warehouse. Let me introduce you to William and Lisa Gray, parents of a young son named Thomas. One of them has to die tonight to get what he wanted. The Joker was to decide which. On the floor in front of you are documents I provided to help him make the proper decision on who should live and who should die. He was warned what would happen if he didn't show. Now he won't get what he wants and they'll all die, including the boy. 
And then Batman has to like take the place of the Joker and choose who lives and who dies. But it's like, I want to play, I want to play a game. And like, you know, it just becomes the situation. And like, but the thing is, you have all in the Saw movies, all these interesting traps and all these over the top gory kind of things that are fun if you're in the horror movies along those lines. I am. So I, I like them a lot. But that, that's the greatness about Jigsaw and Saw in general. But when you'd have to have a pile, and I mean a pile of homework to decide who lives and who dies, you just made this the most boring Saw movie ever. The idea, you got 10 minutes to like, Do your homework, you have 10 minutes. Yeah, and he, he expected Joker to do that? It, it was odd. And again... The man dies, the end. The way I can explain, I thought that was going to go like, oh, uh, I don't want either of them to die. And they're like, well, oh, we really didn't oh, spell out the rules. Okay, <laughs> we didn't think of this. Oh. Uh, but even then, maybe the whole play of this is, like you said already, we've seen the Joker-Batman interaction a million times, right? We also end up seeing this kind of Saul type thing. Like, this, at this point, it's so passe and so cliche that it doesn't yet really I still love Saul. play out that much. But yeah, but that's Saul. Saul's allowed to be Saul, but this is kind of the version you ever see of Saul? it here. No, I didn't see Saul. Oh, my God, Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> I, I do every time we say that, though. Think of you as that lonely kid like Millhouse on the seesaw by yourself, Eric, trying to make it work. But no, no, I needed like three kids. I was a heavy set kid. Yeah, well, that and then they jump off and then you yeah. slam down. That's Save your hilarious, asshole right into the right? ground. Yeah, oh, so great. Uh, but even then, what you get, Mark Silvestri, he's like, he's coming in to do this Batman story. So he also ends up, I think, trying to not reinvent the wheel, but we're getting a lot of things that we don't need to see because we have seen. A million times. Oh my God, that Playboy Bruce Wayne. He never shows up for the meetings. And you get that. But you know, Selena Kyle does. Well, and so With does Kitty Grayson. Cat. But luckily, number two, Robert Wagner from Austin Powers shows up as well. The guy with the, That's he looks time. just like him with that high. Number tack. two. Oh my God, number two. But yet he only has one eye. That doesn't make sense there. Eh? Uh, but even then, they're fighting. I'm going to be the mayor. I'm going to be the mayor. Oh, well, let's see that Bruce Wayne. But it is that. You know, things that we've always seen and Dick Grayson. Hello, I'm Dick Grayson. I don't Grayson. know who I'm those people be are or why I should care about Bruce Wayne making a meeting for Wayne Enterprises in the middle of the deadly fucking duo to a story where I don't even know who the bad guy is yet. Miss Kyle, what did I tell you to come into the boardroom meeting with your kitty cats? Oh, you said this kitty cat. This is a different kitty. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Who's the bad guy? That was Pickles. This is Monkey. I'm like, you better get back to the drawing board. Like, I, I, maybe he's playing the joke that she has so many cats that she's run out of names. Pickles and Monkey. Uh, but then when they go in, hey, and then again, again, you get another scene with Bullock and, and Batman. We, we seen this a million times. Hey, Batman, this is exactly drinking buddies, but I think we can trust each other, huh? In that box, it's Jim Gordon's finger. He keep, the guy keeps cutting off pieces of Jim Gordon. Oh, my God. I better go do this phone thing that the Joker's going to do and play out Jigsaw's game. Cool. Cool. Which, I'm telling you, all of that, it's all disappointing, okay? It's just all disappointing. But for some reason, the most disappointing thing to me is the last page where the Joker is tied up, chained up, clamped up at the Batcave with a gimp mask over him so he can't mask. hear or see anything. We have a freaking tooth that keeps growing more teeth in this, like, because of the stem cell research in a glass case. And with all of this going on, Dick Grayson's taking a nap. With all, you have the Joker right behind you. Are you out of your goddamn mind? I, I, I don't know. Maybe that meeting in the Wayne industry deal that that He's was talking a lot. to poor kid out. It, it took a lot out of him. Eric, he was up there doing He's the a business. Man of action, not a man of sitting. 
I'm doing the business deals. That's what he's saying. Sure I'm, buddy. I'm a big boy. I'm doing the business deals, and we're going to stock market this up. This, this is why Bruce loves Tim Moore. Uh, it would be funny where you're there in the board meeting and like, hey, what's going on, Dick Grayson? He's like, I can see why this is called a board meeting. <laughs> hey, guys, what's going on here? <laughs> More like Borophil. <laughs> oh, my God. Did I tell you about these growing teeth back at the Batcave? Oopsie. I done it again. It's just dumb Dick Grayson. <laughs> now that Tim has been said to be the greatest, I'm just going to go with every other one's dumb. That's right. Uh, but yeah. You end up at the, the end uh, again. Deadly duo. I really don't like that Wayne Tower with that big Wayne. I don't, yeah, I don't like it either. <laughs> the art's okay at points it's because okay. it's that it's stylistic. It's that I love, but it works for what they're doing right here. It's just the story is all over the place. And then, like it doesn't seem to have a focus, right? And the, the little focus that it does just seems to be playing off stuff I've already seen elsewhere yeah, I that think I like more. it's just generic. I think it's overly generic. I did like the straitjacket protocol in the Batmobile. And then when Batman's such a dick, when he gets there in the cave, he ends up leaving Joker in there for hours. Oh, my goodness. He's in there all that time. Batman didn't think he'd be out cold for 14 hours, was it? No, he didn't. That's the other thing that I wanted to bring up. It's always the funniest thing where, man, that Batman, he doesn't sleep. Bullshit. He gets hurt all the time. And every time he does, it's like, how long have I been out? Three days. Two weeks. 17 hours. Two months. I mean, we even had that in Detective. The boy's this just been tucking gets, out. He gets plenty of sleep. It's just yeah, a yes. big, giant He just giant takes advantage chunks. of it when he can. Yeah, I'd I love it there. He's there, and they're, like, pumping him, you know, antibiotics. And he, like, opens one eye, looks around. Nobody's there. He just goes back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, 90, 90. Uh, but, yeah, overly generic, I thought. And it's, it's again, it's something you said at the beginning. It's It's just not hitting with me. It's not ending up where I think that next issue... I'm going to have the same problem. What happened? I'm just afraid I'm going to have to go back and read two more issues next time. Yeah, really. Next time, that would be crazy. But what would you give this? Ultimately, the art's fine for what it is. It's not my style, but it's not going to be a hindrance. The story is just overly generic like we just talked about. Everything that I've said throughout this review, so I'm just going to give it a regular 5 out of 10. Not a fuck you 5, just regular 5 for a book that I'm not really interested in and isn't doing much for me overall. Yeah, I like it a little bit better. There were some of the things that I ended up like, if, if you think about what we were just talking about, I kept saying, well, I did like that. You weren't saying that. You didn't like much of this at all. But I, I actually like this style of art a little more than you. Uh, so I'm I'm a kiss my grits. Kiss uh, my grits! Uh, but I'm not impressed with it. And I think this ended up being one of those books where people were hyped about it. Quite frankly, I, I let's just go on Front Street. I knew nothing about this. People were saying all of a sudden, oh, my God, that Mark Silvestri book is finally coming out. I'm like. Finally, like this is the first time I've heard of it. So everybody who were pumped about, I'm it, I sure think you that, heard about it ten years ago. I don't just know. like your kids forgot about it completely. It just seems weird. I mean, I don't forget about my four kids. I mean, these three kids I have, Eric. What the hell? Uh, but and we're not ones to end up. Well, we we said that this was going to be great, so I'll keep going. I think that this has been a disappointment, even more so because of the hype. Where I thought, oh my Probably. god, finally we'll get this, and then I'm like, eh, you know, this isn't as good, but. Uh, I'm a six out of ten, but we'll move on to the next Joker book, Eric. Which, the next Joker again, book. You want to talk about some disappointments? Look, the you, thing you is about this. this, I am so more, so much more into this book than I am the Deadly am, Duo. I'm but done it's so, with but this. the thing is, it's so disappointing in its execution, and I, I find myself angry by the end because I want to love so this angry. book. I want to love it so much because I find it intriguing, and no matter what, I am going to continue reading it. And if I was had it on my pull, and I'm saying if I had it on my pull list. I would keep buying it along the lines of World's Finest back in the New 52 because I know 
for a fact that it has to get good for what it's laid down so far. It's just there is nothing for the most part. I like I don't I think there was an inkling of a story that Matthew Rosenberg had for this, and now he has to fill out like six issues of nothing to get to something that hopefully pans out. This is what I'm talking about to people in the Slack and the thing about Matthew Rosenberg. It's not a vendetta, Eric, if you end up seeing proof after proof. The idea where I agree with you, there's an inkling of a story, and I want to see how it works out. There was an inkling of a story for for Z. There was an inkling of a story. People like the DC versus vampires. That thing is falling apart. But the inkling of the story there wasn't even Matthew Rosenberg's. That was James Titan's idea. Yeah, exactly. So, And then when you get the idea where you almost think, Okay, right when James Tynan bailed, ooh-wee, things got a little wonky after after that after six shutdown. Issues. Remember that shutdown? He was obviously working things out. I don't think this guy can maintain a story to save his life. And this one's falling apart in two issues. It better get back next issue because unlike you, if I had this on my pull list, if next issue was as bad or worse than this, it's gone. I'm cutting it because this book, was a convoluted mess in my mind. I could barely even follow some of the progression and yeah, wonder what the hell's going on. But this book just kind of meanders about when you had a cool story. What is he doing in this? But give us the credits and we'll jump the into it. The Joker, the man who stopped laughing. Number three, Jim, written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Carmine D.G. DeMonico, Arif Prianto, Tom Napolitano, and Francesco Francavilla on the backup. But what we have going on here, we saw previously in the first two issues of this book, we have the Joker back in town before he leaves town to go take out, you know, bad guys all over, bring the United, the entire United States of America, a little bit of the Joker outside of Gotham, because there are a bunch of jerks who don't want him around anymore. But in the meantime, we do have a guy who was shot in the head by the Joker, who walked around with a bag on his head for the entire first issue, who pulled off that bag and turns out that is also the Joker. Oh, no. And now this Joker is trying to figure out who he is while this other guy is saying that he's the Joker. But pretty much... It is a series of unfortunate events for this Joker in Gotham, who is now going to Harley Quinn, who, like, he doesn't really seem to have the memory of the other Joker and what they've experienced with Harley Quinn, because maybe he's different, or maybe it's just because he was shot in the head. Who knows? And that is the mystery of it that I want to solve. We also have Red Hood on the case to try to take this Joker down. We have things going on all over the country. But with all of that going on, we spend this issue with the Red Hood showing up to Harley's Ferry to beat the crap out of this Joker while Harley doesn't say anything about anything she learned because in the previous issue, she knew that this guy wasn't the Joker but just a victim of the Joker. Is that real? Is that false? We don't know. But ultimately, this Joker just falls off the ferry and we don't do anything with Jason Todd or Harley Quinn the rest of this issue. And it is such a filler of nothing. You need more than this because we haven't gotten that much story. The first two issues... I was okay with, I was compelled with, because they had the Shyamalan twist at the end of the first issue. I'm there for it. It did its job. I'll have to read the second issue. I, this this Joker going to Harley Quinn on her ferry. It didn't feel like a ferry in the last issue, but you also have Jason Todd hunting down the Joker. All of these things, and on top of that, the other Joker doing crime stuff across the nation. Not even just crime stuff, but anti, like, you know, vigilante kind of stuff. Taking out crime villains, or like, or like you know, mobsters across the country, stuff like that. It's making everybody across the country outside of Gotham panic. What's the Joker going to do next? All of that is so compelling to me. What you get here, like I just said, the Red Hood punching the shit out of this Joker until the dead Joker falls off the boat and then everybody thinks he's drowned. Harley Quinn not saying a goddamn thing about her believing this isn't the Joker. And then when you actually get the other Joker who like goes to the Hall of Doom, the Legion of Doom, you see the Legion of Doom. You have Joker and his henchmen, which is a great scene where you have this Legion of Doom with Captain Cold, Gorilla Grodd, Black Mantle, Lex Luthor. Sinestro, Cheetah, and Vandal Savage. You have them all in there on one panel. When you have the Joker show up, you just have his henchmen dressed up 
poorly. Liked it. It's a great little comedy bit. It's not much, but it's it's subtle and it's fun to me. But ultimately, when you have this, because you also have Punchline here, the newest member of the Legion of Doom, like we saw in the Dark Crisis storyline. What does that mean? Because she's there. The Joker is told to leave, and he just does. What happens with this whole interaction? The thing that makes me laugh is when I'm reading that, then I'm like, yeah, what the fuck did happen to the, the Legion of Doom during Dark Crisis? Dark Crisis, they ended up where we thought it was going to be this big thing, and they haven't been shit, shit here. Now we have them here, but in this, when you're going, and you said, yeah, the characters kind of dressed up. Look at me. I'm, I'm Captain Cold, but I'm not. It was funny as shit. I don't care what you say. I don't care, though, when you have to have a story that's doing something for me to care about your little jokes. And even the narration, I said that the narration with jokes before was annoying me because it was distracting me from what little story we get. We continue that. I, I like the mime yeah. one, but it's distracting. It's just distract, And it makes me think that he's taking more care into these stupid jokes than the story because we're not getting a story here. The second, this the issue second is joke. bullshit. That we have going through the narration with the idea where the guy goes to the doctor and wants to know how long he has to live. And then he's like, you have 10. Oh, my God. 10 what? Nine, eight. And I'm like, I've heard it a million times. But it's I've never heard it been funny times. to me. And I've the, heard like, the, the mime is, one, but I, I the hate mime one, too. thing is, the mime one made me giggle. I enjoyed it. It does nothing for the story, but it's just a little aside that does nothing for the story of art. It's just a joke. And then I'm thinking, like, am I just reading the story because it's a joke and I'm like, I'm yeah. the punchline well, of the joke because I'm, I'm reading this? I the need punchline is this. people are paying for it. I also and an extra have dollar say, because of that backup. He tries to pull it back at the end like we love the jokes or actually a whole routine where at the end you try to tie it back to the first joke again, but he doesn't do it very well. And also you didn't need to add, this is just me and my, you know, comedy jokes there. You don't need to say, I effing hate mimes so much. That actually throws the joke off. The joke should just end with, hey, was it something I said? And that's a funny mime <laughs> joke. But like you said all along, it does make you think, like, is this all a joke? Like, are you, you joking with us? Or are we supposed to be laughing at you? I, I don't get it. You got a lot of things I love. Like this, this, you know, this rogue version of the Joker inside Gotham who might not actually be the Joker. I find it very compelling because it's a Joker yeah, I want to see because it's unpredictable and I don't. I'm saying I don't know enough about him where this could be a million different things that I'm going to find interesting at this point in time because the mystery is what's keeping me captivated. You have Red Hood, you have Harley Quinn, you have all these aspects of the Joker that I want to see. And even when this guy goes, you know, the pseudo Joker goes to the hospital, forces a doctor to go and check him out because like, I think my ex-girlfriend poisoned me. That went on forever. I have no idea where he got the idea that she poisoned him or why he feels sick along those lines. It might become clear later on, but it does nothing for this issue. But when he forces this guy to do open brain surgery on him to get the bullet out of his head against his will without anesthesia, some great horrific moments right there. But it doesn't do anything because this Joker now in this you know whole hospital room being worked on feels like a different Joker than we had previously at Harley Quinn's Ferry. And I don't know. I mean, it's the same guy. But the way that he's talking and acting feels completely different now than anything that we've seen of this version of the Joker so far. And that's the, the play here. You have this big mystery. Who is this Joker who's, you know, going around the whole country, going to Legion of Doom? Is he real? Is he the imposter? Who knows? You know, it's Joker who's Incorporated. Who? What's going on? But instead, we spend 14 pages with the Joker here forcing a doctor to do surgery and making jokes about, hey, I was waiting for the, hey, doc, uh, you know, I want a second opinion. Oh, you're also an asshole. Like, you know, those jokes are, hey, he did a brain scan and found nothing. I mean, you get almost those lame-ass jokes, and I'm thinking the whole time is, 
I don't really care about this. I want to. I want the big mystery. I want more Jason Todd. Would well, you I care see about the pages knew. that we spent where Jason was just walking down the street no. and then the cops showed up and then Jason beat them up? The end. I mean, even then, it's like there's panel what after did you panel do here? of, "Hey, freeze there, buddy! Uh, no, leave me alone! No, no, no! You there with the hood? Stop! No, no! Come on, just get in your car and go away. You have blood on your hands. Oh, I'm gonna beat you up. I'm like, what's going on? And then what's, it just never going goes on back here? and does anything with it. I'm like, this is just all filler. The fight at Harley's, this fight here. I'm telling you, it's not much, but I feel like I got at least something. Again, I'm going to say again, it's not much. But I feel like I got a little something out of the Joker in the hospital, at least, because he's getting patched up, he's getting worked out, and he's walking away. But the thing is, even as he's trying to go out all incognito, Mr. Incognito over here, he uh, the, the hospital is now swarmed with police because he said a joke about the idea that he had bombs everywhere that people took seriously. So now he's fucked. So it's not a terrible ending to this issue, but the issue itself does nothing. And the worst part about it is it has a backup that does less than nothing because it's just a joke. That itself. really infuriated that uh, the backup continuing from this really infuriated me. But even in the deal where he ends up okay, the police are called. Oh, that was the whole play because now he's going to walk away. Dressed up just like in the dark night. You know, he's going to pretend he's there. He's going to walk. I'm like, I don't need this. I, I I want the story. And this ends up just no story at all. And just telling jokes and having this Joker that we don't know what's going on. I just, why? This just seems like such a nothing book. And you like it. You've liked it. I haven't liked it as much going on to here, but it just doesn't feel like it's anything anymore. This, this doesn't help my case any. Every no. time I try to defend this book because I want to like it so bad. I think there's an interesting story here. It's just Matthew Rosenberg refuses to tell me what that story is, but I'm like, I'll hold out hope still, buddy. This is kind of the, the idea that we had with, and uh, we won't go with the whole DC versus vampires yet because we still have one more issue. That's going to really hinge on how it ends but this what about all that, that war that task force z it was me and you again talking about defending yourself we really really liked that book Look, and we i were was intrigued on board until bane was the, like not yeah, the real well, bane. everything changed and wasn't anything and then really ended up i mean the last three issues at least were just a lot of nothing that we tried and tried Actually, to get through. I was life. on board, like, even when Bane wasn't the real Bane, because I still thought it was a clone Bane that would make everything worthwhile. But when Bane turned out to be Gotham, I'm like, I'm out. I'm, you fucking ruined it. That was the jump the shark moment. Jump the king shark moment. Can we have that? Oh, my goodness. Honestly, that's all I want to see now. Yeah, so you end up going off to this backup. And after having nothing in the front up, you go to the backup, and I swear to God, <laughs> half the issue is, hey, he's dead. No, he isn't. No, I'm not. He's dead. Oh, the my God. The Joker is in love with Big Barda, who throws him in front of a train. The train runs him over and cuts him in twine. So his upper half is still alive, and now G Gaggy and Jack and Apes have to get him to a hospital and try to save his life and maybe get his legs back. And everybody just believes that the Joker's dead. He's like, no, I'm not. But the best part about this is... You <laughs> You have a little gaggy there going to the hospital, trying to get a, a doctor or an orderly to take them seriously while Jack and Apes comes in with the Joker's upper body. He's like, my friend needs help. Oh, no. What's wrong with him, little fella? What the fuck did you just call me? And all I want at this point in time is Jim Warner to have cosplay oh, as gaggy. I laughed so hard I realized that Jim Warner is the gaggy of the DC you universe. You son of a bitch. He's, it's, <laughs> it's me then. Plus, I got I to gotta dress up as Moe. Get me! You heard the lady stop manipulating. Oh my I'm god! Yelling. And the thing is, like, even the idea of these backups mean nothing because we previously saw Gaggy get killed. None of these make any difference here or there. And even the idea of the Joker still alive. This is just half. for fun, but and it is just for fun. But dark I don't. Horror fun. Everybody it wasn't likes fun. to know. 
I don't like to have fun. Look, yeah. I, you know, I can enjoy some gags that we have in this. I'm not going to say it's completely terrible. It just doesn't belong here in the like you know the story that's being told. Now, when we go through the, all of the lists, once the, the hospital freaks out and is on fire, and we have to get the hell out of there, when we go through all the lists of anybody, the Jack and Apes, or gags you can get in the DC Universe, or even in Gotham, of all the doctors there are, it's crazy insane, and they end up with Professor Pig, and the idea at the end, we fuse the Joker's like lower body to the upper body and lower body of Gaggy, so now he just has, you know... His, low, his t- upper torso attached to pretty much Gaggy's shoulder, so he's like a Goro monster. And I'm like, that's hideous. And I'm actually, you even have freaking Jack and Apes in there. I didn't even realize that through the No, yeah, Jack and Apes so, is there. So you have, you have Jack and Apes as the lower half, Gaggy is the middle, and then the upper torso of the Joker on top of that. That's gross and hilarious because I actually like Professor Pig in this, but the story doesn't mean anything to anybody and does nothing ultimately. At one, but at one point, have a little, Jack and a Apes, giggles. he starts eating the comics code. Eric, you have that, man. It's just goofy. But I don't know if anybody can get as much enjoyment out of this as I did for personally, because I know Jim Warner and who yeah, he is. Yeah, well, there and the you idea go. That he is Everybody the that can laugh universe. about my short ass can laugh. Laugh it up, jerk. <laughs> you okay, little fella? You didn't like when it, like, we're going to get Dr. Strange. Mommy? They were going to get Dr. Strange there. I wish because of what you had at the end, they should have at least had, if you're going to put Dr. Strange in there, put Dr. Nick Riviera. And he's always putting limbs on hey, wrong and shit like that. That would have been hilarious. If P- Professor Pig, hey, everybody. When he came in, that was the worst. Nick would be the thing hey is, there, everybody. Professor Pig showing up, I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck is he going to do to you? I couldn't wait to see. I'm telling you, this is nothing. It's it's a little funny thing. I don't think it belongs here for a story that, in my mind, is a serious take in current continuity. I want to see what's going to go on. I just don't even know if for... that's it anymore, so fuck it. Uh, it's yeah, weird. It's, it's just to add it's a fine, dollar though. and have have a decent enough. This felt like this something. This is the best one out that we've got in my mind. Well, this felt like something that could have been in even that Zornar, which I did yeah. like, but it was just to give info. Those could have been in some sort of anthology. They and that felt been more fine. important now because it's actually doing what we're currently dealing with. This is just a joke, and yeah, you could give a couple laughs, I guess, out of it, but He's a little it, guy. it's like horrific. It's that horrific laughing kind of thing there. This could have been in the Crypt Keeper stuff, right? Could have been in the Creep shows, uh, but and at the end, I thought he was going to fix my teeth. Wah, wah, wah. The end. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck yourself, you jerks, but what would you give it? Ultimately, like I said, there's not much to this book, but I do like the art throughout the entire thing. I still find it compelling, and because of these things, these biases I have, no matter what this book is going to like give me personally, I'm still going to give it a six out of ten. I knew it. I had it right on the deal. I'm. It's funny. I'm reversing, flipping it around. Bell Bib devoting up what we just did previously. I'm giving this a five, a regular five. I I like the art. I like the art, so I can't give it an F you, but I think this book is a hot mess. Is, again, now. I want everything from this book. It just refused to give me anything. This issue is the problem. Yeah, and, and maybe it's for you just a little hiccup. Maybe he's, you know, getting everything ready for these last three issues Hopefully. to really kick ass. I think that but... first issue might have been my book of the week, but I, I'm really looking forward to this series because I didn't – I actually – had no interest in it when it was announced when it came out because it was just another Joker book. But that mystery it gave me, I'm like, I need to get to the bottom of this. I need you to tell me the story. It's just the story is not great. This issue. Yeah. Well, your your book of the week, Eric, is is fallen down in some people's views, which we're going to go off to the mail and we'll find out just uh, about that. But we will be back in a second with the mail. Hey, 
time for the mail, Eric. As I said, some people are wondering what got into you. And this is from a couple weeks ago because last week, and I should have ended up saying more at the beginning of the podcast last week, we had a Patreon-only show. It was no limitations. And boy, if those people would have heard what you said then about the Wolfman. They wouldn't have been able to keep their hat on, Eric. Their hat would have flown off, I think. I don't know. Here we are. And if you want to get part of, if you want to be part of the mail, if if you want to get get part part of, give me all that mail. You want to get down there with the mails? If you want to be part of the mail, email us at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. Just like four people did this week. Oh, my goodness gracious, Eric. It's getting back to the golden age of weird science when, you know, we had 17 mails each week. It was crazy. It took Eric two loved hours it. to get through the mail. He load. loved it. Oh, at one point, I went back to one of our episodes. We had four mail sections, and each were an hour long. Yeah. That's just nuts. Too when, much. When people end up saying, how did you do that? I mean, the idea of why it ended up happening. A lot of mail, a lot of rant raves. It's fun, though. Eric K, double K is first. Eric, he says to Jim and Eric, are yeah. there any current DC comics that you follow monthly for personal enjoyment? And not just for the purpose of doing reviews. Also, is there anything current in DC Comics that you have re- reread or plan to reread? Eric, did that deadly duo? He said, uh, because you enjoyed uh, enjoyed the run or the story arc. And just for me going first with the when idea. you say current, what do you mean by current? Like within the last I 10 years? I would say, re- I think you may mean rebirth on, I would say would be like current deal maybe because the problem is, and you'll hear a lot of people talk about this doing podcasts and things, it kind of does end up putting a damper in reading stuff for fun uh, because you end up reading so much just for the podcast and things like that and the other podcasts that I end up doing. So that's the funny play is if he asks, like some of the things that I read for fun are like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Walking Dead, but I do podcasts about them as well. But that's why I ended up doing that. But DC itself, I really don't do a lot of reading of other things because we have so much to read for the current deal but you have gone through a couple things in the past i now you're d- dead by daylight eric is what's going on now you ain't got time for that but well, no i'm still i still read i'm like i'm reading dc comics presents right now where superman and shazam take on black adam but like i don't read anything current because everything current that i want to read at dc comics we're doing on the podcast so there's no real reason to go back and read unless i forget what the hell happened for the next episode or well something along those lines but like I go back and I read stuff like the Robin series from the nineties, the uh the Wally West, you know, DC series from eighty seven to freaking like two thousand nine, whatever it went to. But like I love that even like Guy Gardner Warrior, Superboy, I go back and I read these constantly, all these different things, especially the nineties, because I like the nineties era a lot. But big stories every now and again, like, you know, I'll go back and check out again, like the Dark Knight Returns, Year One, or the Killing Joke, you know, just the the big ones, something along those lines. If I have an, a hankering for it, but I stick to a lot of like, you know, 80s and 90s DC era because it's something I grew up with that I enjoy like looking back on. And I like to refresh myself sometimes. But current, you know, all the stuff current that we talk about are the stuff that I would be reading. Now, uh, if we weren't, if we didn't have the podcast, you know me, I wouldn't be reading shit. But the idea, again, I was just thinking while you were saying that, like some of the things that I would say that I read for fun. Again, though, when I say read for fun, usually when that happens, I want to make a podcast about it. So like right now, legitimately, I, I'm on nine manga podcasts, legit nine podcasts. But a lot of that stuff is stuff that I like to read. So I end up that's kind of for fun. But we have a podcast on it. I'm on two Marvel podcasts. And then that's not 
that's just regular feed stuff and then all the stuff on the patreon i don't have a lot of time identity crisis isn't fun but i like to go back and reread that but even then like some of the things that i do read for fun would be also like oh my god i you know talk about something on one of the podcasts maybe even this one and then i'm like oh that looks cool or maybe to get a little more information on stuff oh i'm gonna read that thing with guy gardner i'm yeah. gonna go read that and stuff like that so but that's really me most of the time it's like for enjoyment, not just for the purpose of reviews. Some of the things that we do for reviews are even kind of enjoyment too. Like not the current stuff. Current stuff you just get thrown into because that's what we're doing. And it's a crapshoot whether we like it or not. But as far as recent things that I'd go back and reread, I don't know. There's a, I actually have reread that Tom Taylor Batman Superman story a couple of times, but it's a been a one. bit since then. But I did like that. And uh I don't know, current stuff. Is there anything that you would go back and reread? Not current, no. It's now, I, I don't because think so. Anything within, like, for the most part, it sounds kind of like bragging, but for the last 10 years, essentially, I can remember a lot of most of the things that actually happened that we have read. So there's no reason oh for me my. to really go back unless I need to double check and make sure. And that's usually not for fun. Like, you talk about if I'm going to go back and reread something along those lines, it's to make sure I was right for the information I'm trying to put out. Yeah, or, you know, when something comes up, when, like, you had the idea where we were trying to figure something out even on the spotlight. The idea of, hey, was there a point where Jim Corrigan got separated exactly. from the Spectre? Yeah. So we go back and try to find it. And then if we did find it, we would read it because obviously that would be something we weren't even aware of or didn't read before. But even and if, that, if I mean, we weren't, weren't aware of it, we're sure that other people won't be aware of it. We want to put that information out there, but I couldn't find shit. And and even then, that's that's still enjoying. It, it's weird because I did want to come with the generic answer to this, and this is what I was talking to you about on the spotlight episode this week. This question, and yeah, a lot of people will say, and I've heard other podcasts say it a bunch of times. So listen, once you do a podcast, it's more work than actual enjoyment, so you don't go to the deal. I kind of disagree because it, it still ends up, even if it's terrible, we get mad. I still love reading the comics each week and talking to you about them or we wouldn't be doing this. So it is kind of the enjoyment, though. At the end, these things, I just never want to read them again. You know, some of these stories. But the good stories, though, I end up like I love that Legends of Wonder Woman that deal with Renee Delise. Yeah. And uh, I end up... I. I probably won't go back and reread it, but I will suggest it to a lot of people. And I have a smile on my face when I, and that's something you didn't even read. Yeah. So, you know, it's something there. I think but, I might have read some, but not all. Yeah. For the most part, though, like I said, we're reading a lot of stuff right now for the stuff that we do. And I, I do read probably right now more manga that might be for enjoyment than anything else, but. Who wants to hear about that, Eric? <laughs> People get mad when you, you're on some sort of comic thing. I ended up doing a best of the week stuff with Wes uh, on his channel. And it, for God forbid, I brought up for a best of the week, I brought up a manga. The I got attacked so bad because it's comics of the week. And oh, my God, people were attacking me. Jim, I, I, didn't, comics, not manga. I didn't even realize I was like treading new ground. Well, of course they're mad. They're mad that you're so stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. These comics. And I, then jerk. I, and anytime I was defending myself, they're like, where do you get off doing a manga? And I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of comics. No, it is. It got more and more mad. So I just shut my fucking pie hole, Eric, my pie hole. Uh, but yeah, we'll see, though. There will, there might be some time down the line, like years and years, you're like 92 and you're like, you know what I used to like? That Joker Deadly Duo book with the Batmans. And then I you'll obviously reread have it. dementia. Well, that's when your grandsons, Eric, your grandsons, they're like, oh my God, hey, Grandpa's lost it. He always told me he hated that story. 
Even oh, if I but, had kids now, I just like the idea of grandsons. It seems grandsons. like that's not that far off because I'm too goddamn old now. The other day, Tonya was crying. So like, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. What are you crying about now? We're never going to have grandchildren. I'm like, why are you crying? I mean, when are we going to get to the crying part here? But yeah, she said, and I said, I'm really? sure your kids are going to have plenty of oopsie I daisies. I said, here's the deal. You don't think Ethan's going to accidentally get somebody <laughs> pregnant? I mean, really? <laughs> like, that's the only one. That he Look, would be the, thing the one. Is she should be crying. We're never going to have any planned grandchildren. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, right now we're at a major crisis in this house. As an aside, Eric, get you mean this. right now? Well, BJ's they are not carrying airheads anymore. Nuclear war has hit this house. I I end up messaging what, Tanya. I'm like, they don't have airheads anymore. And she, what? You go talk to the manager? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you yeah, go tearing the shit out of happening. this Jimmy. That's happening, really. And I'm like, how about Starburst? I didn't ask for Starburst. I didn't ask to go grocery shopping. Oh, uh, yeah. And so then she she did end up finally being talked off the ledge. Skittles, Eric. I, I feel just like you can get all that going. stuff at like five below, though. Maybe. But these are like, you can't just get, you go to five below. And like you get a whole chip. gigantic candy section there. You need the box of 90 of the airheads, or you ain't gonna last more than a day in this house. You need what to really Q-mar? hunker they down. They got them two candy no, shops. They, they don't have those. It's it's a weird play. I mean, you have that plus, then it gets a little pricey too. But Agreed, yeah. I ended up, uh, you know, talking to her. I said, really, you might want to find a better dinner solution than airheads. <laughs> it's just me. Right now, I'm actually uh, really obsessed with this one YouTube channel where this old guy, this old guy who uh, used to be a chef. He makes all these things. He's a British guy, and he sounds just like Winnie the Pooh. Very soothing, Eric. But uh, he makes a lot of on, uh, Amazon, he makes so. a lot of meat pies. Well, that's the thing, though. She needs them now. Yeah, get it like you know. I can get this on Monday, December twelfth, if I buy it right now. Yeah, how much? How much is uh, Airheads candy bite? Again, I don't know exactly which one it is. Okay, so give me I the guess. deal. It can't well, be extreme. Okay, you don't, not the extreme belts, because that. no. that's 15 bucks. Yeah, she just uh, needs regular. Airheads candy bars, variety bulk box, chewy full-size fruit taffy gifts. Is that what you need? It's a 60 count. That's eight that's, bucks. Oh, see, that's that's not that's probably not enough, but I could go with that. It's a 90 count well, that, that one, we usually that get, one is, and that's 11 or something I'm just like saying, that. For some reason, so. that doesn't tell me when it will be delivered, so I don't think that one's out. I think everybody, they're all like a panicking now that BJ's in <laughs> stock is going and everybody else, they're panicking airheads. <laughs> The worst is, is that every like month or so, I'll sit there and I, I get a little bit of the sweet tooth and I'm like, hey, can I have one of the airheads? Airheads Every time I'm like, these things are, they're not, they're nothing. They're like, it's not even good as taffy. What the hell are you? But here's Airheads mini bars, assortment of 80 or a pack of four, 80 count. It's $60. I don't know. It's weird. 60. Yeah, it's crazy. What is going to say that? There might be a rush for Airheads. I don't know, but that's her thing. And when she has her thing. She wants her thing. <laughs> also, when she's like, I'm going to end up, I think I like the yogurt with the blueberries. Next thing you know, I'm in the hole, like 150 bucks a week for fucking yogurt and blueberries. Oh, my goodness gracious. But the airhead's gone. Now she's back to the cheese puffs. But that is, <laughs> thank you, Double K, for your mail. We're going to move on to Luis, who says, Hello, Jim, Eric, and the best crew this side of the North Pole. The Get Fresh crew. <laughs> Question of the week. What was your favorite Christmas gift or memory? I think it might be board games for you. It was what, not board games. I don't know. The thing favorite? is, I don't have a lot of great Christmas memories. Like, I had some birthday memories that were pretty good. But Christmas memories, 
Was it, was it birthday when weird. they strung you up in the backyard and used you as a pinata? Was that, that a that, birthday? That was not. That wasn't a holiday or a oh, birthday. Oh no, that was that, like that a was, that summertime. Was a tu- that was a Tuesday. But speaking of which, happy birthday, to Eric Shea. We forgot Ooh. about that too. Oh my goodness gracious! Kiss my grits. Kiss my grits, birthday boy. Well, oh my is, goodness! Like, I can't I got, believe I forgot. I got some good gifts growing up. For Christmas, it always was kind of weird because you get up like as a kid. You know, when I lived with my mother, my uncle, or my grandmother, and my great grandmother, we always had to wait for my aunt and her family to show up Christmas morning. And they lived out West Pennsylvania. So they always had to hike over to like Eastern Pennsylvania to come and celebrate Christmas. So here I am as a young kid, all excited about my gifts. Oh no, you gotta wait for your cousin Ricky. I'm like, Why? this is fucking bullshit. Oh, it was Ricky. Oh, Ricky. Ricky, <laughs> that piece of crap. But, uh, but no, it's, it's fine. It's like, I got some good gifts. It's just, even the stuff like, you know, after we moved out of there, my mom got married to my stepdad and we had our own place. Christmas was fine. It's just I don't have any great Christmas memories overall. Yeah, I have weird things. And, and this is mine. I have two that I really, really like. But the problem is they tie into the next day, December 26, where there were problems. Boxing both day. Times, I, and yeah, Boxing Day ended up being problems for me because the one year I got a you bike. Boxed? No, oh, okay. I got, well, yeah, well. I got a bike and I, I was all, I, that was where oh, I, I told this, you, yeah. remember when I told you and I went and tried to see if it was there and I fell <laughs> into the tree and knocked everything down. My dad comes running out thinking we were robbed, but I got a bike. The next day we went out. My dad actually was for once in his life going to kind of show me how to ride a bike. Now, in the meantime, I had read, uh, ridden some of my friend's bikes. So I kind of knew, but we were going to go with this. The problem is that it was a high rider. My dad didn't really adjust it, so I couldn't put my feet on the ground. And <laughs> in, <laughs> to this day, Jim Winter still can't put his feet to the ground. So we ended up and we lived in the apartments in Warminster at this point. And the apartments had like this real long sidewalk between the apartments that then just ended in a street. Yeah. So he pushes me and I'm going and I'm going and I didn't really know how to stop. And I think that this was one of those ones where. I was used to the bike where you just press back on the pedals. Oh, yeah, yeah. This might have had the, the handlebar stops, but they didn't see. But I don't know what happened, but I went right into the street and got hit by a car. And that was my first day of that bike, and the bike got all wrecked up. And so that wasn't great. My other one was when I got a big wheel, went right. out the next day, left it outside. It got stolen. <laughs> so those are two big things Boxing that I did like, though. But in another bit, I just thought of something. What I do have of good memories. My dad worked for IBM, and we'd have the IBM Christmas, Christmas party. Christmas party, yeah. And I really liked that because we'd they go. They gave good and, presents. And they gave great presents, and that was the craziest deal. And I'm, you know, little guy, right? And yeah, even as I, I got you. older, the kids would be separated. We'd just sit in this room, and we'd watch old cartoons. And, I mean, they like had, the like, the around. projector going. They had the cartoons and Three Stooges. Uh, would play sounds great and you'd get the pre- it was the really fun. my adult life it was really fun and i like just imagine this i had so much fun at those things that i was even nice to my brother oh my god <laughs> me and my brother that'd be like the one day it was you know the truce was on there we had a little bit of when they talk about the idea of during war when they were kicking the soccer ball around and so that was me oh, and my christmas brother day truce, yeah yeah that was me and my brother in the christmas day truce but it was at that ibm christmas party and boy, they gave some good presents, which would piss the hell out of my dad. All the way home from that party. He'd trying to outdo go, me? He'd either have two things. They're either trying to outdo me or, huh, ooh, this is why I didn't get a fucking raise. <laughs> and I'm like, no, dad, it's because you're an awful employee. And then he'd hit me, Eric. He didn't. No, I didn't no. say that. I would think it, though. 
I mean, they like it, but he would bitch the whole way home. Just so angry at these things. That's where I got my first electronic football game. That's awesome. I got a lot of things uh, there. And it was kind of nice because they would go around and it did give me at least a little bit of hope that my dad was paying a little attention. For me and my brother, because my dad did say at one point they would come by and ask. Didn't they have those big sectar freaking puppet like rider kind of deals? Yeah, yeah that too. That and I talk to you about that all the time. Like I can't find this exact deal. I also got this huge Shogun Warrior thing in that. Like they were so fun. The those best shit you that, wanted at the time. It was, and then and we usually have that. It usually would be around the 18th, I think, like there. So then Christmas Day was always a letdown because I got bullshit. I'm like, why did IBM know more about me than you guys, you assholes? But I really did like it. I I love watching it. It was funny, too. They used to bring like like hot drinks and stuff that I don't know what they were doing. They might have been drugging us up. But the idea where you're sitting there and almost how they separated. I'm saying you would go into it probably was just that. But you'd go into this room with just the kids and they'd have people watching you and running the things. But the, it was almost like you were treated like a little adult because we were there by ourselves and at these tables. Day, yeah, like nobody's adult. treated me that good since. <laughs> a little adult, you <laughs> asshole. But yeah, it was really neat. Like you'd be, be there and like, yeah, and you'd have this hot cider and you're like, oh, look at me. Look at me, a little adult. Uh, you know what yeah, the worst yeah. part about all this is? You sent me this mail hours and hours ago to prepare and stuff like that to have questions. I actually think, because as you were talking, I, I came up with an actual answer that's not the one I gave. I think I actually blocked it out because what is the best Christmas memory you have? And the thing is, I have a really good Christmas memory. It's just very sad because back Did in your 1991. Dad come back? Well, that's the thing. My mom and my dad got back together for like three to six months in 1991. And it was over Christmas where for the first time ever with my mom and my dad and then my other like brothers and sisters who have another mom, we had a Christmas together. It's like, you know, in 1991. And it was the most amazing time ever. And then it immediately ended and never happened again. And then he stopped seeing me for like five years again, after that. Yeah, that, that so ends up being It was an amazing Christmas, but it's just so sad to think about. Are you okay? No. That's not a, that's not <laughs> Happy birthday <laughs> to you. me. Happy birthday to Eric Shay. <laughs> I just imagine in the next Christmas, you're like, is dad going to be here? You're like, you know that dad's not going to be here. He don't want to see you anymore. Is it that he got your football and threw it to you and you, you did that nonsense? No, he got me some it? really badass Terminator 2 action figures. Really? And a really cool electronic machine gun. Could you? Would you like to relive that day over and over, Eric? That was the day that you, uh, you know, you next Christmas you became a man, I think, because you realized <laughs> that shit doesn't last. But I think by that next Christmas, my mother was already married to like my stepdad. Jesus Christ. Was he the uncle you mentioned before that became no, the stepdad? We never had or? uncles like it that. It was I'm your real uncle. About. Wasn't quote unquote uncle? Oh. No. Well, that is that. Now everybody's miserable. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like, really, when people listen to us talk about books, even, you know, you're always waiting for that thing that. Was okay, the other shoe going to drop? Yeah, I'm telling you, when people listen, they're like, Pull oh my the God, rug. they're so positive about this. You have to be thinking, like, but. when does this shit end and turn? It's the same with everything in my life. That's why it's, it's so like funny to this. me because I'm telling you, you're talking about, like, oh shit, I did come up with that. Did I already block it out of my mind because it's too traumatic? <laughs> Again, the, like the thing with the butt, like these are things that forged old Jimmy Werner here. The idea, I got the thing that I wanted for a whole year and then I got hit by a car You're and Charlie it got Brown ruined the it next is. day. It's always going to happen. And I just wait for it. So you can't get that excited about things when these sort of things happen to you all the time. Again, yeah, really good grief. I know that at points, though, I have a kind of a misery type deal if I want to add some things because it was the one Christmas 
I believe we got home from the IBM Christmas party even. It was something. There was some party. And obviously, my dad was driving drunk because when we got well, yeah, home, it was, 70s and 80s. it was the one time that he said he loved me and he kissed me on the cheek and I smelt alcohol. <laughs> I'm like, you fucking asshole. Yeah, one time, only one time ever. And he was drunk, Eric. I guess you have he, to, you know, get hey, my that dad sort did of the same thing. The, the last time I talked to him on the phone before he died, and he, no, I'm saying my, when my father did it, though, he had to get drunk to call me. But, and it was the last time I talked to him before he died, and I was mad at him because he had to get drunk to call me and say that. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Uh, he was your grandfather, though, he ended up saying he loved he you. He got drunk because I bought face. him a nice, I'm sorry, I bought him a nice bottle of Crown for his birthday. We all got drunk and played some cards, and then he got drunk enough to tell me that he loved me and then punched me in the face because I made him feel feelings. No, yeah. yeah. You know, he didn't want to look like a, a wimp. <laughs> oh, my God. He's he a John Wayne type. You. Well, there it's you go. You're right there. You had more interaction with your grandfather than I ever did. My grandfather would just look at I it was the well, worst. That was even my step grandfather. Yeah, I, I would walk. I'd be sitting there at their house every single weekend. He'd walk into the room. And he was almost like the idea where you are, you know, out and about. You run into somebody and realize you don't want to deal with them, and you just kind of like, kind of awkwardly turn around and walk back away. Look, That's I what know do how you deal time. with your mother. Yeah, the mom. No, my mother. I sit there and say, "Look at that." That's all. the one time we saw her. In the Walmart, and Rafe was like, "Should we go and talk to her?" I'm like, "No." I actually, you say that the one time you were checking out with Jess at the next self checkout deal, and I didn't say a word to you, and then you and left, I and I said, it. "Yeah, I said the next week you appreciate it." You said, "Thank you." <laughs> There's no reason. What are we gonna say? Hey Nothing. there, Eric. Don't bother me. I'm trying to get out Talked of here. You know this. The Batman's. Yeah, yeah. I don't need that. I don't need that shit. But. See you in the seven, says Louise. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Louise. Uh, next mail is from Tom from New York. All right, Tom, Tom from, New, from York. New York. Here we go. If you feel bad for old Eric Shea, you might feel worse after these oh, two no. emails that are both going to hinge on that idea that Eric Shea's book of the week a couple weeks ago was Tim Drake Robin. Yeah. He says, newer listener, first time writer. I All always right. get a kick out of that. Hey, guys, what's going on? I discovered your show after seeing Jim on the Comic Aficionados YouTube show a nice. couple months back and love it. You both do a great job explaining what you like and don't like an issue or what you like and don't like in an issue and are funny as hell. Hey. You're always <laughs> spot on with your criticisms, which leads me to Eric giving Tim Drake Robin his book of the week. Yes. So he says you're right on, right? I was so glad he did that. Oh Get out of town. Goodness. You the know shoe. that everybody. He's, Here, here's you know where the rug gets Where's pulled. the shoe? Uh, you know that everyone hates a know-it-all, and Eric uh, actually proved that he certainly isn't one of those by giving one of the worst there books his book of the week. Keep up the great work, guys. Tom from New York. So this is nice enough. It is kind of funny, the deal. I, I wanted to go back in our little break there before the mail because you were kind of alluded that something was about to happen for the yeah. mail. So I'm like, all right, it was the week of November 22nd, and we had a bunch of you books that week. You wanted to see the other books. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Like Action Comics. We had uh, Dark Crisis, The Dark Army, DC vs. Vampires, Deathstroke, Inc. Finale, Detective yeah. Comics, Harley Quinn, Punchline, The Gotham Game, and Tim Drake, Robin. And I look at those things, and I'm like, well, there's some big names in that, but I, I distinctly remember wasn't a lot of bangers that week. And the idea of Tim Drake Robin being my book of the week with a 7 out of 10, that's how low my book of the week was, a 7 out of 10. At least that issue gave me a bit of a swerve to like doing something differently than it was previously doing to the point where the book has been utter, utter garbage. Tim Drake, Rob, Tim Drake is my favorite Robin, one of my favorite characters of all time at DC Comics. 
if I had the, the little wolf man. teeniest bit of optimism towards it because I saw something that might be a turning point in the series from where it had been, something that could be at least tolerable to one day being good. And that is the reason that that became my book of the week because I saw Tim Drake actually be Tim Drake in his own book for the first time. How I explain it because word got around town, Eric, and actually on the <laughs> comic aficionado show, it was brought up and I had to defend you. And I said to everybody, look at it more of a indictment of bad books that were out that week than you loving the book because your yeah. score was a bit low. But when I when you ended up saying it, this is what I thought. Unacceptable. It was unacceptable, <laughs> I say. But the next and last email this week is from Thank you, Tom. Mad Fella. Madfella. A at the end. Madfella. Oh, man. Now, That's how you know he means business. Madfella ended up, and I actually sent back a note to Madfella and said, I can't really read your deal verbatim. Good paraphrasing things. It's a little bit over the top. It really suggests some sexual innuendo or Mr. actually. Mr. Asio is there. I think his first name is Phil doing something along the lines Phil, to get yeah, that score. It, it hinted at, and not even hinted at, it was talking about oral <laughs> Straight favors. Front street. Front yeah, street. So I, I ended up having to change a little, but you'll get the idea. But the gist, I get you. He says, first off, <laughs> Matt Fellow says, did Megan Chitz-Martin do something to Eric? That's how I will paraphrase okay. it. Did, he, did, gotcha. she, did she get to Eric? Uh, book of the week. Maybe if you spell that W-E-A-K. <laughs> And then just says American Sweetheart <laughs> no great. more. We just should American use that Sweetheart someplace. no more. I know. That's like when uh, forever, me and my buddy Pete, it's when somebody says, I have a meeting. Oh, is that M E A T? We just always say well, that. Said, the way, like, you know, weekly, very weekly. Yeah, you know, very just weekly. along those lines. Yeah. Now it is Book of the Week, W E A K. Unacceptable. unacceptable. <laughs> I've already it's tried to defend myself with the idea of that. But again, as bad as Tim Drake Roberts is, I saw something in that book that I didn't see in any other book that week, and it was something that was at least got me optimistic about Again, those books going through. if people didn't listen and they want to know what that was, you said that it, she seemed to get a little bit of what makes Tim Drake Tim Drake. So uh, the idea of going against the Robins and things. So yeah, eh, mm, I and by the end with the idea, but... like you know, I said the whole thing with the, the one of the worst parts of the idea is like here's some like clay face stuff, but it also seems like it's mixed with venom. Terrible nonsense that I don't need, but by the end, we got some Clayface reveal doing something new with the character, which might hopefully be Preston Payne. Don't Preston know. Preston Payne, Double Abram actually mentioned that. Yeah, he thinks that him you and me are the only, ones him him are the only Preston Payne. I but, actually like the uh, Alan Moore story with Preston Payne, I yeah. believe it was. That was really, really good. One of the better, you know, Clayface. It's my favorite Clayface story of all time. <laughs> but I'm telling you, this was, this was not a banger of an issue by far, but you know what? It was the best out of the series so far. And actually, you know what? Go back. Let's rewind a bit to Double K. Eric K. That was a story. That Preston Payne, Alan Moore story uh, was one that way back. It was Reggie had talked about. It, and I'm like, screw it. I'm going to read that. Of course, then I did it for a podcast later. Yeah, but that was one of the things that I did read just for fun to read it and really did like it. So that's that. Him and Lady Clayface had a baby and they named him Cassius. The best DC universe, the best DC comics joke of all time. They did it. It's my favorite comic Cassius book joke of Clay. all time. Do you think that everybody that's listening right now 100% know what Cassius Clay is? or who no, Cassius? I bet you they absolutely don't. not. That's kind of sad. No, uh, but we just got nobody, out. Nobody realized that's the name of Mario Lemieux. Oh, my. Look, if they, watch, if they watch Coming to America, they should understand. You know what ends up cracking me up all the time? I, I don't get involved, but it does make me laugh, where people will put, like, 
a picture of like wham and say that's i'm gonna tell my kids that that was oh, motley yeah, crew yeah. i always get a kick out of those this always <laughs> make me giggle now i just did one with wham and motley crew obviously why i don't do them but yeah, yeah. i do get it i do get it's a easier kick the funny i got you Mm, screw you <laughs> jerk ah oh, but that's the mail that is the mail again if you want to get involved in the mail and ask eric shea some questions maybe wish him a happy birthday i mean seriously or maybe just tell me how wrong i am here's the bad part right we end the up doing part. this podcast about your birthday oh. we end up doing your podcast or, or <laughs> we end up doing your podcast we're on the podcast Oh, and thank you for doing my podcast. I mean, tell I you guess, that every week. Thank you. I, I love being a guest star. I end up where I finally, oh my God, I forgot. It's your birthday week. So I end up wishing you a birthday. The other day on December 9th, Tanya goes, hey, did you remember to text Zach about your birthday? <laughs> you mean on the 8th? Yeah. I was like, I, I forgot. I'm like, I'm I, cats in the cradle started playing. And the thing is, it's the reverse. Now I'm singing the song that I'm just like my goddamn dad. Yeah. It's the reverse. I'm going to come. That would be a cool thing. Now it's the reverse deal of like, you know, I'm just like that piece of shit dad. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, my. This is why they don't like enough. Me. We don't need a freaking sad version. And then I version. thought today, because I ended up going food shopping, and I got all the snacks for them and stuff. And I came home. And nobody was, well, Rafe was here, but he doesn't help me eat. Uh, now I can't even remember their names. What's that guy, Logan? He <laughs> was working out, so he wasn't home. He usually helps me bring things in. So I'm out there lugging stuff in, right? Yeah. And then Logan gets home from the gym. He gets dropped off, walks like right by me and doesn't even say hi. He just walked right by and I'm like, really? Is this what it's come in your face. To? I started thinking of my, the idea like they used to hang out with me. And then I'm like, yeah, they were forced to then. No, yeah. they just don't like me. It made me a little sad. I got them a lot of snacks. Like I got them flips, Eric. Won't that make them love me? Is that the, the pretzel flips? with crackers? Yeah, it's it's the pretzels with the chocolates on it. The chocolate oh, okay. pretzels. They do like those, but also they eat so many of melty. them. And I like like a handful of them, so I had to put them and hide the handful away. I squirreled them away. <laughs> you should see all the food that I hide around the house because they'll eat everything in one day, and I just want a little snack sometimes. But that's that, Eric. But yeah, he walked right by me. My boy's just like me. But I would have said hi to my dad. My dad wouldn't have said hi back. So that would be the problem. I'm telling you, my dad was like the idea where you're in school and the cool kids are there and you end up, hey there, Charlie. And they're like, Ugh. like he would be there with his friends and I'd say, hey, dad. And he would like, and like he was some cool guy or something. Like, hey, I don't know kid, that kid. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's what he acted like. Hey there, Chip. Oh my goodness. Sport. Hey there, Sport. That was when the kids would come in. And we, we had five kids. My dad was losing it, so he couldn't remember. Things. Hey, Chip. Hey, Sport. The problem yeah, is when you have mind. five, you you lose, you know, what else? And you go back to, like, Champ or Ace. <laughs> he, he'd repeat, and I'm like, what do you think? They're twins there? And, I, and then I would, as a joke, I'd start calling them that while we're there. And then my dad would get out his gun to show and start cleaning it and shoot it through the roof that actually happened yeah, yeah. Time. Yeah. and then i was like oh well at least mom wasn't upstairs and then my dad said something well my dad said something like yeah you know it, sh it sucks being me or something i'm like you know what would really suck is after you die you know mom will admit that she was cheating on you this whole time and actually get all your money and use it with this new dude that's what'll suck dad take that <laughs> Yes, indeed. Oh, R.I.P. 
but we're going to go off. But if you want to get involved in whatever this is Why now, would you it really point? got away from the mail. Now it's just therapy session. But go and email us at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. Don't say it, man. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be back in just a moment, and we'll be going through <laughs> two more books to end the show. He's going to get you from behind, and one little word bubble allowed me to have that song at the beginning. Uh, Yeah, I I actually enjoy that one, and it'll probably be played heavy during Lazarus Planet, whether Nesha is around still or not. It works. So there you go. Uh, In a night where I think that I'm going to have to retire a bunch of songs. Uh, with that Batman's Dead also fail Did I give you City. an idea for Lazarus Planet? Because I don't remember anymore. I don't know yet, but I did if I come did, up with I one. I don't remember what it was, and I was um, hoping that I did and that you remembered. <laughs> we'll have to think about that. I, I usually write them down and start, you know, fiddling around, Eric. So we, we probably did something. I'll check it out. I did have an idea for a song today, but it was when I was taking a shower five minutes before the podcast started, so and I couldn't really gone. do anything for it. Now, I, I write <laughs> oh, little things down. I have In a, the steam a thing. of the mirror. It is to, yes, to, and now it's gone. I did, it's to a Depeche Mode song, Eric, no. uh, because at one point, we had the greatest idea for a Dial H song to a sure Depeche did. Mode song, and it never ended up materializing because I was Maybe having problems day. with it. So. Uh, with that, this is something different, but it's more of just a shade song, which I do like that. But speaking of shade, we have two books here, Eric, to end the podcast. We have Poison Ivy and Monkey Prince. And Poison Ivy is one of those books that was supposed to be a six issue. I did not really enjoy the first you know, bunch of issues. We were talking, oh, my God, they extended it. That's good because now it'll be able to kind of expand the story. We'll end up being able to tell this dark story throughout 12 issues. I don't know what happened. You end up having a weird play here. I don't know why, except maybe it was selling, it got expanded. But then we have Monkey Prince, which was a book that it seemed like me and you were the only ones talking about and really going. Seems like it's getting more and more important as we Seriously. get towards that it's last planet. Yeah, and it's kind of a funny play in all of this going down that you have certain books that you don't think are like, oh, nobody's paying. Like a Harley Quinn, yeah. the book where she has her you know, yacht slashed fairy, all of a sudden that pops up in another book. And you're like, oh, my God, that is kind of important. Where all of a sudden Monkey Prince being a big thing to tie into Lazarus Planet. Most kind important of book going on right now in the it DC. It may you know? be <laughs> that and the Devil Nassau stuff and that, but 
out of nowhere, it becomes a big book and it becomes something that maybe people should check out. But we're going to start with Poison Ivy. I, I just I don't know. I told well, you if, that if, if I'd seen some things. If everybody doesn't remember the last issue, which should have been the original finale before it was continued on. The last issue sucked really, really bad to a series that I was, for the most part, enjoying and looking forward to it becoming better than it was, but still enjoying for the most part. It just never really reached that pinnacle that I wanted to, and then the finale came, and it sucked, and now it's going to continue on, so hopefully it gets a chance not to suck again. But little little spoilers, this number seven issue, it's not really showing me that. It's not good, and the weird play is you ended up, you really liked it. Nikki Gabagool, you guys are throwing shade at me on Twitter. I'm like, I'm with Eric. It feels like Preacher. Road trip, I mean, yeah. That's how much you liked it. You're like, it gives me a Preacher vibe. Oh, no, 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 no. See, I was trying to get people on board with liking it with me by, you know, using the name Preacher out of hand because you at least had that on the road story. Well, you, but you American did say West. it's a darker deal on the road. You're going and... It's a weird idea of, okay, why is it continuing? We thought it's because it seemed to be selling. Yeah, but is the it the reason. idea now? Is it that it's, well, you have this dark story. and We don't want to end Poison Ivy's tale here in a dark place. And we want her to, I don't know, because this seems like a complete 180. It almost feels like a new person writing it the last couple, especially this issue. And I don't understand the focus of All this. Right, we beat the Floronic up- Man. We decided that we don't have to kill the entire human race for the green. We got our green powers back. We're still activated with that way. Even though we weren't, it just kind of happened. But you know what? Back to eco-terrorism. Right. And I, I said before, and that's, yeah, back to that, but try to get away from, I, I don't know. Give us the credits and then we'll get into it. Poison Ivy, number seven. <laughs> I was going to say something G- else, but I didn't. But, and then yeah. I was waiting for it. Then he didn't. Eh, so I went. Written by G. Will Wilson with art by Atungan Ihan. I hope I said that right. Arif Prianto and Asan Atsman El. You nailed it. Thank God. <laughs> well, yeah, we have, you know, Poison Ivy leaving her past behind now that she's d- defeated her creator, the Floronic Man. He's, she's eating him up all good to keep that freaking fungi at bay. And now we're just moving on because you know what's wrong in the world? That goddamn fracking. And that's fracking. what it's going to do because right? we're just continue yeah. the idea of the road until Poison Ivy out of nowhere will come across more of the Lamia fr- uh, fungi and then more of the Pharaonic man plant monsters and say, oh, my God, what's going on with this? It must have something to do with the fracking involved here. So I better become a, a gardener with the rest of these people on this land of this woman who owns this fracking company to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, this this section of books is now called the... You could just get a job wherever you want nowadays and work and nonsense. But I ended up, I didn't know what fracking was. I thought you you squeezed, you know, squeezed rocks real tight and you got it. Fracking actually, and here is what it is, besides being a future curse word. It's the process of injecting liquid at high pressure in the subterranean rocks, boreholes, etc. So as to force open existing fissures and extract oil or gas. So that's what I like to call chili. Eric, that's how I get my fracking done. Now, in this, you end up, you know, ending that first arc, I guess. You're going to call this a two-part story, maybe. It ended horribly. You said it. And even I, who didn't like the book right away, because I thought it was a little too dark, and I didn't like the way that it was playing off Poison Ivy, but I could at least still see that, for the most part, it was written decent. You know, okay, you know, G. Will Wilson is a respected writer. I love her Miss Marble. There's other things she's done, whatnot. What happens? Does she get hit in the head between issues or something? Because this issue has the worst kind of setup. It ends up being just completely ridiculous, laughable. And some of the things in half of the issue 
I swear, you have to keep having Pamela go, how is this happening? I thought I killed Woodrow. And then something else, how's this happening? I thought I killed Woodrow. To the point then, everything is like, from point A to B, it seems like they're jumping through seven other letters, but not. You end up having her starting, hey, I'm here for the migrant workers. What's going on? And seriously, the way that Pamela looks, I don't think somebody's going to forget her name. That's just me. But what's your name again, Jen or something? It's Pamela. Okay. Well, here we go. And she's doing her landscaping. Oh, you better watch out because, you know, people end up this this lady's real particular about her bushes, Eric. And then you go like I'm real particular about <laughs> in her a bush sexy too. way. And then you're like, oh, let me tell you how I got here. And it's just like earlier that day, she just happens to be I driving around, right? I was walking around, through right? a field in Montana, yeah. and I don't realize something feels familiar around here. What is this goo coming out of this fracking thing? Oh, my God. It's almost as if it's not just toxic to invite. It's terraforming, but it feels familiar. Lamiasporus. And then uh, I fought uh, a grass man. And then I beat the grass man and realized the grass men have been seen by these migrant workers for a week. So I better get a job here to find out what's really going on. Detective Poison Ivy's on the case. I mean, just the idea that she's there working and then it says earlier that day she just happens to drive oh my god the pink popcorn what the fuck is up with this oh no it's the lamia spores but i thought that i killed woodrow hey there migrant workers what's going on oh no i'm attacked by a grass monster but this couldn't happen i killed woodrow then she runs into these people who are like yeah shit's really bad i mean these monsters they're walking through town i mean they're there they're not buying anything they just kind of you know walk <laughs> i think they're more hipster than monsters then well the worst then- part about this is it really wants to have the subtext about what people are willing to give up to have the bare minimum and that is what they're trying to do here but that's everything service the un- level the underlying story but that's all it really has because the overstory where you're trying to tell a superhero comic book about pamela isley and you know you know, and the thing is, what I really want of it is the new status quo of Pamela Isley, because that's why I like this series to begin with, because after she was combined with the two versions of herself and was had her powers taken away from her, I wanted to know what this Poison Ivy would do next. It turns out she lost her fucking mind and wanted to destroy the world with herself in it, because that's the turn it took her for how deeply this this whole situation wounded her. And then at the end, it just took all agency away from her. It was all a Florionic Man's plan, and then it didn't work anyway. So now we're on to this new idea of what's she going to do now that she has her power back for some whatever reason. She ate the Florionic Man. She's taking it to the field, Eric. And now she's just going to be Detective Poison Ivy taking down fracking and grass men who are still dealing with the Lamia spores that Floronic Man was doing. For oh some reason, God. it's all and connected. And it ties but, even worse uh, because you end up, where's they, the they gardener? Do, Why but, isn't she still mad about that? And all that shit, it just got left behind. I have to help these people because they have grass men attacking people, but they're allowing this and fracking to happen because it brought jobs back to the town. These poor folk who I have no interest in and have never seen before until right now, I need to change their lives because reasons. Yeah. I mean, this actually feels like- They are happy with what they have. Do not feel bad about what they're doing right now because you don't agree with it. This is their livelihood, and you say, fuck that. I'm going to make it better. You're talking about, I mean, and this is, I mean, I don't like to bring up the, you know, social justice warrior idea. That's what it is. This is exactly what I was going to say. It's one of those things where people, and it's always on Twitter, where they get up, you know what I hate, and then you end up having somebody from a group that this- Listen, keep to yourself. We don't need you to step well, the up there, is, Karen. The thing is, you could have had that in the background. People could have read into it. But for some reason, they had to have Pamela Isley. It's like, like right up this there, This is right? what I need to do because they have to have the bare minimum. They should have more than that. I'm like, yes, I agree they should. But 
you don't have to come in here and white savior this shit up because you're no. fucking poison ivy no, and on a new mission. Poison ivy. There's ways that I mean, actually, you don't even have to have the. She runs into these workers out in the field it is that, that didn't so need to be out of nowhere. The story. Like, worry about the story instead of the freaking message. She can find this idea. That's something that she would be upset about, especially because it connects to the Lamy of that thing that she was involved with, that she thought she had stopped. So I don't mind her, you know, fracking. And that's even uh, kind of like that hot button press there that I never knew what it was. Topical. But the last, the last whole, you know, debates and things in the U.S., at least, there was a lot of fracking talk, and I still didn't know what it was. But when you end up where she runs into this, Okay, that's something. But also just remember what I said. This is the way the progression goes. Hey, look at me. I'm working. I'm doing the, the bushes, right? Earlier that day, all this happens in one day. She ends up going and stops her car. She's goes a wonder. Out, sees this and then runs into these people. And this is G. Will Wilson, fully on a soapbox, trying to do that thing. And it almost feels like G. Will Wilson is trying to say that that's bullshit what she's doing. But she isn't saying that. So she ends up with these people. Oh, man, what's going on? And even when she like, oh, man, what's this? And wipes away some of the green there, some of the future gas. Ooh, what's that? And then runs into the migrant workers. Hey, we do this. They're all upset about it. Oh, man, they're those monsters. Oh, yeah, they're terrible. They're monsters. Well, I'm going to get rid of them. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't get rid of them because then things could get worse. And they're taking it without even knowing it. And she's all up. Then she just goes, gets a job. Starts working and then out of nowhere just grabs this bush and says, I'm going to go talk to the CEO. Walks in. A guy's there at the desk. Oh, who are you? you? Oh, I just I've been working here for three minutes. But, you know, I want to bring the CEO, this real powerful billionaire. Let me into the billionaire's bedroom. A day laborer that's just been working less than a day. She's a less than day laborer. And, yeah, they just go, oh, yeah, go right back in there. This could be so many different things, cool. especially nowadays. She's a wonder, isn't she? You are forcing your bullshit story to make sense when it doesn't. I mean, why are you doing this? She's a better writer than this, I thought. But maybe not, because that last deal ended bullshit. And then we get to this. Hey, oh, I'm gonna go into the, you know, the bedroom, the CEO of the boardroom, whatever office. Hey, yeah. I'm gonna go looking through I'm going to go Honestly, looking through her desk. We just talk about bedroom slash office. That's the same thing for me. <laughs> yeah, really. She goes in and then says, okay, well, I'm slumming now, this that up nobody, right now. now that nobody's here and looking, I also like the idea that she walks into this and this guy and she goes, this is how I'm going to enter. I'm entering in resembling the enemies in broad daylight. She's just carrying a plant and she goes in you and she puts it. it down. I mean, like, really? And then starts that going this through guy, the desk drawers. Like, yeah, I know and then this guy has a bow tie. He's an asshole. So he lets her in. Right? He's looking at paper. They go in. Not, you forgot one step because then she goes into the desk. Oh, no. The one thing that's going to trigger me that there's problems. There's this cube. A cross section of a mushroom <sighs> stipe? Oh yeah, what my! The f- what the Let's fuck? Let's find all about how this mushroom and what she's doing with it has changed the world. You know, because the mushroom fungi is going to be attached to the lamia, and we just have this woman here, this Beatrice Crawley, who is in charge of future gas, who knows exactly this is Pamela Isley. He's going to call her out. He's going to be able to undo her powers that she just got back. But even the idea where we just have this new Pamela Isley, a new status quo with her reconnection to the green, eating the floronic man like he usually does to people attached to the green, but she has this whole new look where she looks like. I already made a Resident Evil, but she looks like something like Codename Veronica, Resident Evil, the way that she powers up. 
Tell me more about what this says, how this works, how she feels. Tell me why she's all going with this that. strange green armor that she's doing now because this, this is interesting. But you know, you just have her powered up and then until it doesn't work anymore because we spray her with some magic juice. No, you spray magic Ms. juice. Crowley's ready for her. Yeah, because she's ready because then we're going to get the Kawinky Dan Carrick of, We were all oh, together. You think that you're the only one who fell for old Woodrow Well, I was, I love the idea. It's like, Huh, who the hell were you, bitch? And she's like, you I was don't a few know. years older than I was you a few were. Years a newly older. minted assistant professor. I thought the world, Jason, would you too? You know, you weren't the only one. So now it's just like the last series, out of nowhere. Like it could have been about Poison Ivy, but it just became about the Floronic Man. And in this issue, it continues to be about the Floronic Man. And I just don't care. And I don't think the story really cares because we just have this woman spray some shit on Pamela Isley. Spray it on just her takes because, her you over, know. And the Lamy is back to be fucking re- like, you know, taking her over. And we just have her be a goddamn biological monster at the end, all cocooned up until some, some another person, maybe our daughter or the help, finds this fucking monster in the office. Yeah. But it doesn't I need do anything a twist for the of character. Fate. And like, oh, no, there's a plant woman oh, sorry, it's, here. It's, it's uh, Janet from HR who just shows yeah, up on HR. Again, this is, is this going to be one of those, well, I have this HR complaints about these monsters going around. The idea of this, it, it ends up where you, you have know, that whole Geiger-esque six issues. when you see her all powered up or even cocooned up later on. I love the idea that you have this whole idea of, the, like, this really plays out. And maybe, maybe it's kind of trying to have fun, but it's not. The idea of this is. This is the worst idea of, say, and you talk to me. I'm not a big horror movie fan, but you will tell me some things, some bullshit things where oh. this feels like a sequel. <laughs> Did you have of, to say bullshit? Well, it is. I'm talking not of the stuff you love, the stuff okay. that you end up and I'm like, oh, how was that? And you're like, that oh, man, bullshit. wait till you hear with this. Because basically what you did was the first six issues was your you know, movie. That was your Halloween or whatnot. But then you go and like, oh, man, who's the villain? Of this new one that came out, and you're like, oh, get this. The other student that we didn't know that was two years older. It feels so much like that. The idea, oh, Woodrow's dead. Oh, but get this. The student from two years later ends up being the deal that. But you didn't know about Woodrow's assistant professor that was infatuated with him, who you just were led immediately to on the road. (laughs) This is the things that you'll say to me. And I'm like, man, that sounds like bullshit. So uninspired. And, and so what will be the deal? Well, first off, you're not going to allow Woodrow to be dead forever. He's no, a big he's a character. Man. So you're going to have this obsessed other lady, the fracking lady. She's fracking already. She's going to want to maybe try to bring back Woodrow through probably Pamela because he, she ate her like I'm he usually your does. Stomach. And that's the, I mean, even going through this whole deal with the Lamia and you're like, oh, man, OK, what are we going to get next? And you run right into Lamia. This can't be. I ended up killing the Woodrows. I'm like, God damn it. really? Like, what are you doing? Again, uh, it just feels like a really now bad the, movie the sequel. was a big, you know, we we're going to kill the world, but that didn't work. It just made people feel sick. But really, the Lamia was about mind controlling Pamela Isley. But now, you know what? We retooled it over here. Now it's for fracking. And right. so what my Lamia. thought is the book was selling, but DC fudged it up again. I mean, if the book was selling and it was, well, you know, say it, they really... I'm trying to, how am I saying this? Say that it's not like some other reason. Say they're sitting there and like, listen, we didn't even have a lot of variant covers or whatnot, but some people were liking this and did it increase. It's hard to find rankings or any sales anymore, but did the, if the sales increase, that's giving you that idea that people wanted this darker story and were enjoying it. And I think they ended up saying to themselves, well, we can't have her be a real villain like this. 
some reason they want to because now it's twisted now she's the victim again and now she's going to take it to the streets pamela isley the hero that's not what this was about it, it kind of was an intriguing story you liked it more than me but the idea i thought that at the end she would end up being this kind of you know gray area anti-hero eco-terrorist that she always is but you're really just saying like yeah screw all that let's do this goofy story and it's just there's no setup and it just ends up being thrown at you and i thought it was bullshit i really thought this story was just laughably bad and i expect more especially like i say the things going on with who pamela isley is now her new status quo the things that i desperately want to know about we just we don't deal with any of that. We just say like, here's a new villain, here's a new mission, but we're not going to tell you anything that the last issue like might have meant. But now it's just we're moving on, and maybe one day you'll get the answer to that, but not right now, and not anytime not right soon. now. And I'm getting to the idea, and people are probably laughing. There's you know maybe some are haters. I don't know, but the idea of me saying I really liked you, Willow Wilson. I like you know what it is. It's when I talk about The Simpsons now, or even Star Wars at points where I say, oh my god, The Simpsons, my favorite TV show, and realize I only like... 30 years ago. Yeah, I only like eight seasons of it. I really well, only I like, like Miss Marvel. And so I keep going by that, but I hated G. Will Wilson's Wonder Woman. It was bullshit nothing. Sure was. And some of these other things she's done, I haven't... And this, I haven't liked... I didn't like it at the beginning, but now I realize... You know, the good old days. It's like it me and you and days. Greg Rucka. It was Greg Rucka on Wonder Woman where we were having problems. The minute he left, we realized, oh, crap, we oh, didn't God, realize it was we, so we, good. how good we had it. In comparison. It is. And so when you get this, like that start was really intriguing. It was something different. It felt like it meant something. And then you get to this and you're like, oh, that's bullshit. Bullshit. So what would you give this? Ultimately, the art was not as good as it had been in this book, and the story is just over-the-top nonsense and forcing a message in there to be this whole white savior thing, and I don't know why you'd want to do that with Pamela Isley. And this whole direction but trying to tie in the Lamia spores and the Pharaonic man, take it in a direction that would be interesting with her new – like, you know, who she is now, at who she should have been at the end of the last issue going forward. It's just a random story to continue this thing, and ultimately, I'm giving it a 4 out of 10. I am giving it a fuck you five, Eric. It's bullshit. And it really wasn't. Again, it's one of those books that I read. And while I'm reading it, I I want it. Here's the thing. I want to make fun of you, but I want you to like the books. Because when you really get down on the books, then it really makes me miserable when we're done the podcast. And it's almost like one of those where books like this, I always think, man, it's a shame. You really liked it. And I knew that you weren't going to like this issue. And it really... It really just tears apart everything that you liked about that first, you know, four issues, four and yeah, a half. There's maybe. something in there. Yeah, yeah. And y- you like that. And even Nikki Gabagool, like I said on, on Twitter, you guys were enjoying it. And I don't want people to almost get slapped in the face when they realize, oh, Jimmy Boy was right. I just have to throw that in as well. Wow. But that's no, what it was. The, no, those, those issues, other issues were good. They were you good. Were just wrong. I just didn't love the real dark deal, but I realized now, you know, it was kind of intriguing. And it was least, an interesting place to take Pamela Isley after all why. she had gone through. You know, you can't tell a story and then just bail on it. And t- maybe this was editorial decisions. I don't know, but it's nonsense. But we'll move on to the last book of the night. What we said was real important, Eric, sure right? Was most important think, book in DC I, Comics I think right I now. can get rid of my FU uh, sound effect for Fuck this you. one because I think Eric Shea really liked this. What is it, Eric? It is Monkey Prince number nine written by Gene Wen Yang with art by Bernard Chang, Marcelo Maialo, and Janice Chiang. And in this issue, we were in, well, not this one, but previously we were in Gotham. Then we went to Amnesty Bay and we thought 
this is bullshit. I don't want to keep jumping city to city, especially when the prequel issues of stories about this. We're in Philadelphia, which you and I do care about where Shazam lives. That was some fun stuff. All the scavenger hunt, jumping around nonsense, not something I really needed to be a part of in a story that felt like it was out of continuity. Here we are with issue number nine. We're off to Metropolis. We have Monkey Prince and Supergirl taking on Lex Luthor and nonsense fucking demons like they have been. But you know what? It is tying into Lazarus Planet now. You have Marcus' son taking on full responsibility with his powers and not only responsibility, but confidence as well, making him a kick-ass young hero that I can get behind. And this, this issue... Out of nowhere, for a thing that I, like a, a series that I found very lackluster in its presentation and introducing the Monkey Prince, it has raised the goddamn stakes, Jim. Because in this whole thing, where I've been gradually liking Marcus more and more, and how he comes into like you know form with his powers, like I said, the confidence aspect is something I really like. But now, when you have his henchman's adoptive parents, his mother essentially getting killed, finding out by the end that his her father, his adoptive grandfather that he's never seen, is the mother flipping ultra human. I'm like. You fucking did it, Gene. You got me interested. I care all about this book now. And on top of it, like I said, tying into Lazarus Planet and the devil Nezha and all the nonsense he's doing leading up to that. Yeah, and it, it was a shocker. And I do think that of all of the issues, you know, we spent way too long in Amnesty Bay, pretty much the most hateful town in the DCU. Surprisingly. And again, we did learn some things, but just when we go back and think about it, even when we're done with the series, the idea of, you know, the dragons. And yeah, yeah, you ended up from that getting the Ryu Jingu Bang, right? But the Jingu Bang. Yeah. By before that, you know, it just wasn't a lot of anything. It felt weird. You had these tie ins and these guest stars. This issue is the best issue of the entire series in my mind. I think that it's really I'm good. You, there is some problems. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be a freaking cheerleader this entire time because even when you jump in the LexCorp campus in Metropolis, when you have Marcus's adoptive parents here going down a corridor and there's a security guard trying to fight off some demons and stuff like that who are looking for the clones, this whole progression, like, once we kill the clones with the fucking LexCorp laser gun for the security, yeah. I have no idea it's the progression confusing. of this story because all of a sudden that guy, the security guard, Burst in the flames. You've got a freaking demon here with a, like, coming through a portal, possibly. Behind them, you have demons that I think are the, the recreations of Batman and Aquaman from the other demons sucking off their key or chi. I just, I, I do this every time, but you have this going on and the progression and all this. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I just know at the end when you have Marcus's mother getting killed right there by a demon and wanting the, the bizarro clones in this LexCorp campus, I'm like, you know what? You're raising the stakes and you got my attention, kid. Yeah, and you end up having things. You and leave really, me, my monkey. I want you to leave me, my monkey, Eric. You end up where I like the play where you start off and you end up seeing two of these, you know, Metropolis. They're there, LexCorp, and they're these scientists. And you don't even have to say, you're like, oh, crap, they're working for Lex now. It was kind of funny. You know what's the Come idea on. that if you have been reading this book all along, Jean Luan Yang has realized i don't have to hold everybody's hand here no matter what if we're at a villain's place and there's two scientists they're going to be his parents and you almost like oh man they're doing it again and when you end up having that progression i'm with you that i didn't quite know what was happening but once you know the mom starts getting choked out and actually i'm like holy crap finally in this kind of jokey deal that we've been questioning the whole time it actually has some stakes. Holy crap. This now means something when she's going to die. What is Marcus going to do? And I, and I love the She's play. on the verge of death. I think yeah. they're going to try to like, you know, fix her up. But like, you, you know, it think really that feels she's like she's dead, dead, dead at first. Yeah. And then when she's, who is your son? Marcus. And you're like, oh, crap. Like there's like, that's a subtle way of, you know, getting the deal. 
and saying, I was an orphan too. Well, then you realize, yes, I do. Snap, he'll be fine. And throwing it away. And then you end up the dad, Laura, starts yelling. And then we go to see a little bit of Monkey Prince and Shifu Pigsy where they're learning more lessons. And this is what we wanted all along. And this sets up something a little later. First off, sets up probably what's going to end up being the worst army ever because you end up having, you know, Marcus using his cheese, doing a little meditation. He's got a hair of his and he's going to try to make a clone. He doesn't realize that he's doing that. But you end up, Shifu he makes says, abominations. think about life. Oh, my God. This reminds me of Damien's clones on that okay, island. This, this thing is I don't awful. even know if you saw it because you're a weird heretic who hates the Treehouse of Horror episodes yeah, of The Simpsons. Yeah. But at one point when they're doing a Harry Potter, like, you know, play on that whole thing, when you have Bart create this abomination out of this frog and okay, he's trying to create a prince. Like. And it's like, someone, please kill me. Yeah, that's it everyone. looks like this thing is going to ask to be killed. And so it goes and he ends up squishing it. But Shifu says... Oh, yeah, actually better than I thought. I mean, that's crazy, but you get some progression. I like that. Also, you have this little place set up right before Shifu comes into some, you know, troubles. And I like the progression. I really like the progression of this. And what I really do like is instead of going back to the parents where it's just goofiness, before the parents were just in the next step of when we were going to get one of these demons and they'd be involved, whatever. Having the mom, Laura, you know, we think she's dead, but she's, you know, really hurt. That ups the ante. You end up having more Marcus in this, which I really do like. But then you have a little Shifu. But then you get Marcus involved to go with his dad to save his mom. And I I actually really did like that. The only thing that I think is bad about this issue, one thing, is that Marcus himself does not ever really feel like he's that upset about his mom. I mean, he's very chill. About everything that's going on There's never a oh my god what are we going to do He's just like okay Even when he talks to Kaya's friend From uh, Gotham He's just like oh yeah some shit's going down here It just doesn't feel like he thinks That this is really a bad thing Or an important thing It just played off weird in my mind Um, But the, the actual Monkey Prince stuff's great Especially when Supergirl shows up It's real fun well, This is what is, we I, liked all along Marcus's play on his mother, it's like a weird situation where it's a lot to throw at him. And I think he's, you know, he's taking it very cool, but it's one of the situations where I think he was always waiting for something like this to happen, especially even like he had to save his parents previously from Black Manta and everything that he does, but where it was an inevitability that he's already prepared himself for. I don't know. The reason why I say most of it is that idea where before we know ultra humanite, even, you end up having talk about new bodies and things and marcus was just like yeah chill out and then you know it just feels weird it felt weird that he didn't react a little bit more that his mom looks like she might be dead and they're in a you know a cabin in the woods to, to try to save her even them where he's talking to kaya when she calls and we haven't seen her or heard from her in a while i said at the beginning i thought he was going to talk to her and whatnot uh, but hey, hey what's going on oh my mom's in trouble we're at a hospital like it's, it's not it's like it's weird it's just like he almost still has like to play it's cool it's almost like cool, he's but drugged safe. though but the idea of playing it safe like he should himself be a he's bit got a crazy out. life that he can't tell his you know pseudo kind of on on the phone girlfriend from gotham about i mean the idea of you know his mom and dad have been henchmen or whatever and yeah he might have set himself up for it but still it's his mom that looks like she's gonna die 
And he's just like, yeah, you know, just chilling here. What's up with you? I didn't think we were that close. You barely knew me. It just felt a little I bit agree. more. I want it more. But it, it is that's weird the only that she thing. called in general. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, that's my only thing, though, is that he didn't react as much to his mom being in trouble like that, that I thought he would. But See, the other I stuff think- is great. The stuff is great. I had no problem. You know what my stupidest, biggest problem with this whole thing is? It's like it's something I'm really interested in, too. When we have the King Fireball show up with the other demons who have already sucked off the chi of uh, Batman and uh, Aquaman who are there, presented in that kind of form because this is who it was. But when you have them showing up, they're here because they need to get more chi. To, uh, I'm going to keep saying chi, but get more chi because the, the war is coming. They're like They need to have an army. They go and they find the Bizarro clones that Lex Luthor has. They talk about the idea. These are not Superman's clones. These are the clones of Bizarro himself. I'm like, you know what? That's wrong. And the thing is, they go with it so hard that in order for King Fireball to consume, because not only does he want to consume their chi, he wants to consume their flesh as well, which is going to make him even more powerful. So you have the idea of, you know, getting the key of Superman, getting the chi of Superman without actually having to damage Superman in the series going forward. So you do that, but you even bring out the blue kryptonite to make them weak against it so he can eat them. Like, you're going above and beyond to really show that, like, you know, what you're talking about is what you're talking about, but I never really saw these B-Zero clones that Lex Luthor has put together as Bizarro's clones and not just wrong clones of Superman. But that's what they're going with, and that's what we have. So we have a big old – we have to get ready for war. Hence Marcus you know, creating clones with his hair like the Monkey King can do because he has the powers. But everything we have in Metropolis where he's only been here for two days, motherfucker already has friends. He's going to go meet him at Big Belly Burger to the point where um, Shifu Pigsy is kidnapped by Jinx and Tanarak. To start up the whole thing, like we need all the magical people, like we saw in, like, you know, was it World's Finest where Shifu Pigsy showed up, where there is a continuation of him being kidnapped because, and we get the background where Shifu Pigsy and uh, the Devil Nessa used to be friends and knew each other before all this stuff. You get all this stuff setting up for Lazarus Planet. And I like it too because we don't really stop. We have all this great setup, but we always continue forward with, you know, the monkey prince and what he's doing, especially because his mother's been hurt to the point where his father has to lay down some, look, we're in Metropolis. I know we've never met him before, but your mother's father lives here. He's kind of a super scientist. He's got Gerard and he's going to help your mother. And the best thing is like, you know, hey, call me Grandpa Gerard, boy. It's good to see you. Keeps talking about wanting to, you know, I have some cadavers out back. If you're like, well, we'll be fine. We can just have to transfer our mind. We can even dye their hair blind. We'll be fine. It's like, look, no mind transfers. I need you to fix her up. It's like, look, it's going to take a long time. going to be a bitch to do, but you know what? I'm going to do it. And in the meantime, you have this great bit because the idea of all the like guest stars that we have in this series, first Batman and Robin, then Aquaman. And now with this one, we're not doing Big Blue, but we're doing Supergirl instead. It is a great thing to think of that where like she knows that Ultra Humanite is in the area because of a gun that she scans that, you know, uh, Marcus's family used when they were attacked at LexCorp. But this is something he put together. His fingerprints are in there. She knows the Ultra Humanite's involved, but it's a great thing unless you know that like really get the clues with uh, Gerard and like the mind swapping. It's this great twist at the end when you get to see that it is Ultra Humanite. That's pretty crazy, especially in a monkey print deal. That's funny and it's good. How great is that? Here's the deal. That it is great. But again, what I said about, and I was looking at this while you do it, here's, here's Marcus here. He ends up, hey, there's some old dude waving you down there. He's, ah, oh, it's my dad. He goes out, hey, dad, why do I have to come with you? You told me I could stay out until midnight. It's your mom. And she's just bleeding out in the back seat. He, they just go on. He doesn't say, then he looks sad. What happened? Shit's real you now. Get, you get an explanation. Okay, well, you know, we've been doing this and things happen when you're working as henchmen and all. But we're taking him out to the woods to her dad. Okay, but why didn't we call an ambulance? Then they get there, 
Marcus says like three words. He ends up says who the and you end up where, oh, here's your, you know, your grandfather. Oh, hi. You end up having what is the ultra human. I pick up the dad. Marcus yells, put him down. Then doesn't really say anything as they bring the mom into the secret lab, starts talking about how vertebrae are made or whatever. And then out of nowhere, Marcus just goes, thanks a lot, grandpa, gets a call and goes, I got to take this and walks out. I'm like, there is no reaction from him at all about his mom. Like, oh, my God, like freaking out where they have to come. Shit nothing. has just gotten so he real. Just around. He doesn't even know how you to react. You can say Jim. he's in shock. But when he says nothing and then goes, oh, and he sees Kaya. Oh, I got to take this. You know who could, you know who could really deal with this, though, Jim? Who's that? The monkey prince. Because that, once, you I know, guess. Supergirl comes snooping around because she's looking for the ultra humanite, monkey prince transforms out into his better self. And he has this great little interaction between them because he wants to be the, the big man on campus to a degree, really prove himself. Well, he's going to, because he's a kid, he's going to come across like just an asshole this entire time. But he a seems to be dog, smitten with Supergirl. Fine. And like, yeah, I like, like this whole concept because it, it reminds me when superheroes used to interact in the 90s, come across like, Yes, people could say it's a kind of cringy now because it's a little bit sexist for like, oh my God, look at him. But he's a teenage boy who sees Supergirl and the boy's in love. So you have this great showdown between Supergirl and Monkey Prince because they both don't know the score of what's going on that the other wants until Ultra Humanite realizes, oh, God damn it, I got fucking superheroes fighting outside. I better go freaking ape this yeah, shit up. And he comes the albino gorilla that we all know and love to be to take this on. So, and with a freaking laser cannon. So just imagine. Monkey Prince number 10, when we jump into that issue with Supergirl, Monkey Prince, and a laser-toting fucking ultra-humanite, I'm like, this has everything that I want it to be right now. That's crazy. And again, that Kaya part, you didn't really need. I don't, I don't know why that. they even threw that in. And she's Just there, to remind she, people, I guess. She is part of ARMY. She has her BTS poster in the background. You see that, Eric? You see the BTS? So she's all excited, right? With teenage girls. It's yeah, fun. so there you go. So with that, though, I'm more of a blink, but that's just me. But yeah, with the Ultra you. Humanite, I never even thought that's like what Jess says your lovemaking sessions last. Uh, yeah, end up where Ultra Humanite, I'm like, holy shit. But the fun play of this is, I didn't think that it felt so out of, you know, nonsense. Like, it didn't feel like nonsense. No, like, it felt, all it, right. finally, it felt like a series that's in continuity and taking itself seriously. And not only taking itself seriously, but taking the other characters involved seriously and adding depth and growth to like, not even like, you know, Marcus, but even the idea of Ultra Humanite and how he's involved and stuff along those lines. Like, you never see that character really do anything that's in continuity or really interesting anymore. He's a great villain. He's one of the first Superman villains of all time. It is great to see him here. And I'm like, this could be really cool. And even the idea, I'm such a fucking dummy. I'm just a fan of the Ultra Humanite, but I didn't even get the idea that he's an albino ape with a human mind. You didn't even think about the monkey connection, how great his grandfather is. I know, is a that's so funny in that. And then even then, when you go and if anybody's like, oh, this is ridiculous, whatever. He plays it up well. Gene Wen Yang writes it well because when they come up, he's so big on swapping this body out. Hey, listen, I got all, all the these bodies there. in there. I got all these attention. bodies there. And so when you find out, you're like, oh, shit, that makes sense. And he's so he's so quick to, hey, we'll dye the hair. I love where he says that because, again, almost playing with the joke of if Ultra Human, I could switch these bodies or whatever. Why does he always end up as an albino ape? Because it's think his that battle saying, body. I think he also is saying that he always just bleaches the hair. Because he even says, like, <laughs> I'll dye your hair, hair. He's got I'll his brain hair exposed. yellow. I'll do that. So he's going. Uh, it made me laugh. And the idea of a connection with the monkey, that just Never even fun. crossed my mind until that's you said so it. That's funny. amazing. It's so funny. And then at the end, though, the only thing that's funny or, you know, worries me, actually, is it says next, Lazarus Planet event. 
I kind of wish that this would end as its own thing leading into that. That'd be great. But it's finally taking itself seriously and I can finally take it seriously because of it. And that's the funniest play of it was what I was originally going to even say. He ended up starting this out with pretty much an out of continuity bullshit Batman and Robin. And we ended up saying, but now you're going into the current Batman versus Robin-esque deal of Lazarus. It kind of goes full circle and comes out a better way than it began in my mind because now you're taking yourself seriously and going off to a Batman and Robin. Even with that, you'll have that connection where Monkey Prince and Marcus can have that, hey, there's Damien, and you might get some, not even just fun, but you might have and, a little and bit back and forth story, with it. With the Lazarus uh, planet coming along, it's going to be somehow tying into whenever we start that. I don't know when this list yeah, come out. Yeah. Like, what is it's that? coming I mean, out soon. When they say it's coming out along those lines, but on top of all this, you're in Metropolis. You have Supergirl. Big part of Supergirl's mythology, along with any other Superman family, is the Phantom Zone. And we know that the Monkey King is trapped in the Phantom Zone for some reason. We got to get his ass out at too. And we have all of this to look forward to. This is the first thing. The first thing at all in DC Comics has got me excited for Lazarus Planet because I want more of this. Yeah, isn't it crazy that it's actually Monkey Prince that got you excited for Lazarus Planet? You fucking did it. And the funny play is a lot of people will end up talking to us about, hey, what do you think about that announcement? Hey, a book's announced without a creative team yet or an event that's going to come up in four months. And they ask us and we always say we're going to see how it is when we get there. We don't usually get as excited beforehand, but it isn't quite true because something like this, we don't get excited until there's something for us to get excited about. And this got me excited about it as well. And I thought that was a really cool play in that i'm looking right now you end up of course i pull this up and start talking and i don't see a date for it i just see a cover <laughs> i end up looking up and i'm like hey, what is going on here and i'm on a bullshit thing it, it has a preview why wouldn't a preview end up having a freaking date yeah really that's what it is it looks like it's coming out january 10th okay and it will be lazarus so planet month alpha from now. Yeah, a month from now. So you so get Monkey Principal cool 10 and Lazarus Planet Alpha around the same time. Yeah, probably the deal. On the cover, we end up having a Batman's Monkey Ooh. Prince right in the middle, giving a karate right. kick, right? Is it Poison that classic picture we've seen with the solicits? Is it the Batman yeah, with the Dr. Fate mask? Uh, no, no. This, okay. is, uh, this is the Lazarus Planet Alpha one shot. So okay. it's Batman, Monkey Prince, Damien, uh, Cyborg, Poison Ivy, and Power Girl. Down. Is what's on the cover. Like Poison, Poison Ivy might be a Why shame because Poison that Ivy's book doesn't doing more? seem. That's what I'm. Yeah, and that makes me get mad at the Poison Ivy book even more now. That you the had monkey a chance to pull it. a Monkey Prince right now, and you dropped the fucking ball. Yeah, because you end up stopping that six. You had the perfect chance to do that. Maybe it will eventually, but you do end up. I don't having mean it eventually. Prince I need right it now. It's like Monkey Prince because next month, I'm telling you, Poison Ivy's going to come out the same time as that Alpha as well. I know. Well, we'll see. Maybe all this Lamia stuff is part of the Lazarus. There. You I shut your know. mouth. I don't know. Uh, but what would you give this? What would you oh, give this? I had for? a great time. I liked the art in this a lot. I think that Gene Wen Yang finally did it. He made me care about this character by making, I'm saying, by taking the character seriously and the rest of the DC Universe seriously within his story. It made me care about this. And I have loved the progression of Marcus in The Monkey Prince and the confidence that it entails. Like all these aspects, this one just really hit a home run with it, though. There's a few things, like I said, with the, like the Bizarro, what it means to be a Bizarro clone, and all these things that I can do without because. I just personally think it's wrong. I don't know if it is. That's never how I've seen it, though. But ultimately, give it an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to go 8 out of 10 as well. Maybe, and you know what? I'm going to go, yeah, I'll go 8 out of 10. 
I'll I'll go you, I, I talk myself up because I was thinking like my book of the week is Batman and Monkey Prince. But I talk myself up with Monkey Prince going yeah, to eight it's out of ten. Funny. With it. We didn't even mention like Shifu. He gets kidnapped, it seems, as well. And there's yeah, some troubles going on now. So all this going down, it's pretty big. You end up having, you know, Marcus's mom. She might die. I doubt it. But some big shit's hurt. going on. And then Lazarus Planet coming up. That's pretty Fuck, crazy. She might be a monkey's uncle. <laughs> she might be. And you, you have ultra humanite. That's crazy. And just the idea of, is it an adopted daughter? Or is this just Ultra Humanite's daughter? I don't I know. It's just Ultra we'll Humanite's daughter. See. We'll have to Gets see what's around. going down. Oh, my. He does. He monkeys around a lot. Because he said, that shit's bananas. But uh, Monkey Prince is my book of the week. I'll just go right there. It's, it's as well. yours as well, right? Crazy. What the hell is going on around here? I know it's going to be my here. book of the week, but I thought Batman was going to tie it. It's just yeah, talking actually, about this and looking at it again, it really just upped my own score. The funniest deal is I said 8 out of 10 thinking that I might have given, but I gave Batman a 7-8. So I actually did have more fun with Monkey Prince. It's crazy. It shocked yeah. me when I got done reading this yeah, issue. Yeah, that is our book of the week. So, hey, everybody, you should read it. And if, if everybody, you know, is it worth reading the entire deal? Well, Lazarus Plan is coming up. I think my, you might be able to... Skim a couple issues, but maybe the last couple. Once he ends up, you know, with the staff and and starting issue, to learn yeah. more, and that's really what you need to know, I think. And we even He's said before, along. before we were waiting for more monkey prints. We were getting a lot of like kind of meandering about and stuff like that. But he's actually come along really well now. So if you really needed to limit the deal, the, the biggest drawback of the series good. so far is just the monkey prince being a hero character is coming into his own but he has to constantly keep fighting the other heroes until they realize oh we don't need to fight and also i'm moving to a new town but that's why i thought that this was a pretty cool setup in this one because it was supergirl going after ultra humanite so that was more of him fighting and then you know kind of getting smitten by her but not realizing and what then really her being was the going crap on. out of him because he was being a little a little, uh, yeah, a little, you know, sus. Sexist. He was, he was being <laughs> sus. He really was. Went, oh man, thanks a lot. What did he say? Like, thanks a lot, pretty girl, or something. She gets oh, the way a little pretty blonde head. Like, yeah, what? Oh, she didn't like that. Yeah, what the hell did you just say? But yeah, that's cool. Here are the books next week. Remember, as I read through these, two of these will be on the Patreon only badass spotlight you episode. Can totally guess one. Yeah, I know. Last week, again, I'll point out, was Sword of Azrael number five and Dark Crisis. Or this, this week. week. Sword yeah. of Azrael number five, Dark Crisis, Warzone number one. Last week, everything was Patreon only. So sure if you went over and joined up right now, you could listen to our full podcast last week, which actually was over four hours. Crazy. And, yeah, it was crazy. But uh, this week, those two books. And I know one, like you said, there's no doubt. I mean, I might as well just say. It's Stefani over here. Yeah, I might as well say that we just, let's just make it a given because Batman Spawn, there's no way that's not on the Patreon spotlight. But we'll start with Batgirls number 13. Okay. Oh my, the Batgirls number 13. I'm glad we keep going with the Freaky Fridays. Gotta find about the Cool Masters. Did you see the cover for the next issue? No. It I'm might not right be now. the worst cover well, I've ever awful. seen in my life. It looks like they should. Kill me, just like that. It's terrible. They when they went through fucking uh, Seth Brundle's telepod together. Oh my, yeah, really? They just came mixed. Oh, it looks bad, but that Be story afraid. we, very we did not like that annual deal with the Freaky Friday. I said, which ended up making us go down a weird path where I said it was more like a shitty Sunday. And then I described what my shitty Sunday would be, and you agreed with me. Batman Incorporated number three. 
a book that I forget about, but we like it. We like it okay. enough. I wanted to up the Annie. It could be this, better, but it's still okay. Yeah, I think that once we, you know, get more Clown Hunter involved now, it's bound to go through the roof. But Obviously, we'll see how that is. Batman Spawn number one. I already said that's going to be on the Patreon spotlight, no doubt. We also have Dark Crisis. It's not even number one. It's just even just labeled as just Batman Spawn. Yeah, well, this it is, is what you it's, get. Yeah, it's the one shot. But they always do that with the annuals too. The way it's spelled out here. Dark Crisis Big Bang number one, which will be the only one. And I'll a give fight everybody the multiverse. Yeah. Now, if you are interested or not interested, some of these Dark Crisis tie-ins, like we did this past Patreon spotlight, we did not like. Thought it was bullcrap. Insert cash register. Don't give sound. it away. This one actually gives you uh, a map, kind of a little spelling out of some of the new Earths and the infinite the new Earth. multiverse. So, yeah, I mean, that might be worth it need some a new people guy just book? checking I know I that out. Uh, something that is coming out that really threw me. Maybe we'll talk about it. No, Harley no. Quinn uncovered. <laughs> I'm sitting there going through the preview. And I'm like, all this is is a bunch of covers. Oh, Gotta that's what ship. it is. Uncovered. So, yeah, that's nothing. But I am Batman number 16 heading to the finale of that. Uh, hopefully the cover of that's weird. It just looks something. like the Fox family sitting down for a Thanksgiving meal. No, there they are. They're coming together as a family. I, I guess they have to really suss out what's going on within the family after Dark Crisis and, you know, Jace being able to overcome a great darkness infused Sinestro. Yes, you know how he did that. Uh, but, yeah, that book's coming to an end. We really liked it at one point. It just kind of fell to the wayside. We thought that going to New York was going to really up the ante, and then things got wonky. Superman, son of Cal-El, number 18. You know what this says on the cover of Superman, son of Cal-El, number 18? I hope it doesn't say Cal-El returns, because I'll be very pissed off. (laughs) Nonsense. How can we have the Cal-El returns special and then go to a part six of the Cal-El returns story arc? You're you're really asking me this. (laughs) And even on the cover, I'm like, even this. Last stand against Red Sin. I'm like, I don't even know who Red Sin is, let alone having a last stand already. Wasn't Red Sin that we saw? Well, yeah. He was an uh, asshole, saying, but he just blew up. Okay, I'm saying, you're saying that we don't really know the character. I don't yet. know anything about him. I think that stand. He, I think that he's related to the Heartless, Eric, is what I think. This Again, people, I, I do like Tom Taylor, but he's not good with these villains. He really isn't. He ends up introducing them, never gives you anything about them, and then they're gone. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Heartless, Eric. That guy's been hanging around for three years. He's like, you know, the it's uncle that will never Spencer? leave. No, that's not right. No, okay. I, I think it's, uh, I, I wanted to actually, and how I thought I was going to be able to pull this off, Eric, I actually just then was going to try off the top of my head saying Dick Grayson backwards. I can't do that shit. What, are you trying to mix with pick his I'm ass? I'm telling you, I really was going to, because I said he's the dark reverse of it. I thought that somehow I was going to be able to pull that off. And I almost went, Ick Asen is what I said. And I'm like, you know, backwards. Really Ick Asen. <laughs> Shelton Lyles' uh, name. Shelton. Oh, Shelton, you piece of shit. Uh, Wonder Woman 794. It seems like a while since we talked about that bad book, right? It seems like it's it a good still- time. Remember, we were still, I don't even know what we're doing now in that. That book is well, the all thing over is, the place. Was the last issue we had that one shot where it was just them in space so we could have that Wonder Woman away from yeah, the Nubia was, you're and the right. Justice special? And we were wondering, you know, the whole Which idea doesn't, of Apollo. The continuity doesn't tie in for what was actually going yeah, on at that point. Apollo can't talk to Wonder Woman because they're watching her, yet she's talked to her a bunch of times. You have Hera, 
who seems to still be involved with that milk extra. Well, the but thing we're kind of done can, can with you that. See the cover? Can you see the cover mm-hmm. of Wonder Woman? Oh, why are you looking at the cover well, right, at now. right now? Because you, you tell me as I load it up. It looks it like up. Hera's hand holding a carton of milk extra with a missing Wonder Woman logo on the back. I, I, I actually, Eric. Milk extra. I ended up getting rid of the FU deal. I wanted to hit that right there, but I got rid of it. I mean, it's just my grip says that hard enough because this is unacceptable. Milk extra. Well, the last one's a one shot that doesn't matter anyway. At least this is getting back to some kind of story that somebody but did might you care ever about. Think, has there ever been a worse example of something that is so ridiculously bad, but they keep wanting to go with it, right? I mean, it's, it's, this it's podcast. bad. Maybe Eric. all these years we we never missed a week, but maybe we should have. <laughs> I was thinking about it today. The idea that W-E-A-K. people would say, and I was talking double double. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's weekly. Uh, I ended up thinking when double K or K's mail, like the idea that some people have said to me, maybe you guys should take a week off, and I'm like, the hell is that going to do? Seriously. One week? I mean, seriously, then I'd be bored. But still. Yeah, I'm looking at that cover. Holy moly. I, I end up, I should make a, a little bit of a deal Photoshop and basically instead of Wonder Woman missing, an actual fucking story is what I put there. Take that. Got him. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. I told him. I'm looking to. I, I just like, want to see this idea of you Photoshop and turn it missing. An actual fucking story, but the text is so small, nobody knows what the hell it is. I'll make it big. Uh, the text will be big. I'm going to do it. How about that? I'm going to do Again, it. And I'll it's show such a you. It's going to be though. awesome. I'll just show it to you. I ended no, up won't. doing You put that work in. You're putting it on Twitter. I ended up doing the thing with the Spider Man, and it didn't really catch on like I thought it would, Eric. It, didn't, it kind of fell flat because people were arguing who's Spider Man, Peter Parker or Miles Morales. And I came ben in with Riley, my hot obviously. take. And my hot take was they were all Spider-Man. I used the Spartacus deal. That Why was pretty both? cool. It didn't really go well. It didn't really go this well. Is that Nobody got it. Why not both? Yeah, but I had it with the, you know, I'm Spider-Man. And they all had Spider-Man mask on and stuff. It was kind of cool. Mix it, it up. Cool. Mix it up, but nobody, nobody liked ben it. Ben Riley. <laughs> nobody liked it, Ben Riley. You mean Chasm, as you oh, say? Chasm over there. Chasm's hitting hard now. We have the dark web going on Chris over is. there at the uh, deal, but that leads me to remind everybody again. I haven't ruined a character like books. that since Phil Yurick. Yeah, those two, and Phil Yurick is kind of back. But those two books deal, they'll be on the Patreon spotlight. We are pretty sure that Spawn Batman will be. So check that out and go over to patreon.com slash weird science. But also, as we say at the end, check out our Twitter, Weird Science DC. Uh, you join up. You, what is it called? You, you follow us. We'll follow you on back. Go to our website, weirdsciencedccomics.com. Also, check out our YouTube channel. I'm doing a lot more video reviews. That's what the kids like nowadays down at the rec center. So go over there, and it's Weird Science Comics. Uh, You can check those out. I have a Batman review DC side. Not with an X, no. That means you're hardcore and badass. Yeah, and then we're not 90s here, Eric. My wall is sitting there unchained, like one of my favorite uh, Van Halen songs. Uh, And also, I have some... You know, Marvel stuff, DC, but you check that out. And then with that, yeah, that's it. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody who mailed in. Thanks Thank you all. all of that. Thanks, all of the people on Patreon, all the weirdos out there. Get fresh crew. <laughs> what do we say at the end there? Everybody have a great week. week. Keep it weird. Weird. And we'll see you in seven. See you in seven. Go read comics. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.
revolution. Just seems to mess it up 